This episode of Dissecting the 80s is brought to you by all of our fabulous Patreon supporters. If you'd like to find out more about the ways you can support the show and be in the super special club that is the Dissecting the 80s Patreon, visit patreon.com slash dissecting the 80s. That's p-a-t-r-e-o-n dot com slash the name of the show you're listening to right now, Dissecting the 80s. We have basically two tiers. There is also an $88 tier that uh, no one has ever taken us up on, and I would be shocked if anyone ever did. But we have our $2 tier. You get a monthly newsletter kind of updating you on the next three episodes of the show, the bonus content coming your way, little short reviews of something that we've both been enjoying lately. We try to be really positive in that space instead of just, you know, dunking on things. And, uh, you know, you get to get all of the updates about what's going on. You also get a lovely welcome letter signed by the two of us. So if you're really wanting our autographs, that's a way to get it. And I was going to say the sweet sticker, which I think is the best perk of of uh, of that little welcome package. You get a nice little sticker. At the You also get uh, some of the bonus content, but at the $5 tier, you get all of the bonus content. Right now, we are in the ballpark of 17 hours, but we're probably getting another hour and a half just around the corner here. We got uh, two bonus things coming up at Christmas. One is our fabled Lost Footloose episode, which has just been recovered. And which I, I haven't get everything. I have never heard. I was there. No, I was, yeah. I've, I've, <laughs> yeah. I have not. You, you, okay, I would say technically you did hear it as you were there. <laughs> <laughs> but and that was so long ago. I don't. Yes. I truly have no idea what I said about Footloose. So that was recorded live at the Baltimore Podcast Festival, and I think 2018. I think that's right. I don't. That remember. sounds about but, right. But uh, there also maybe uh, the full video version of that may also be available for folks on Patreon. Whatever is salvageable, I will post. Uh, and then we're going to do our special Christmas. Terry, which is uh, uh, just a bonus commentary that's for all pa- all Patreon supporters, not just the $5 tier. But so another hour and a half of bonus what a com- great content gift. coming your way. <laughs> Merry Christmas, Rita. Very niche um, and- reference. <laughs> I saw this great tweet that was like a map of the United States that was like, what does what what December, what does November 1st mean to them? <laughs> yes. Yes, and it was like 49 states, Mariah Carey, all I want for Christmas is you, Pennsylvania. What a great gift! Thanks, so, Joe. The, the Pennsylvania lottery commercial uh, looms large in, in, in our minds anyway. But uh, anyway, that's all to say, you should go check that out if you haven't. It's got great stuff there, and it helps you support the show directly. So if you have uh, interest in supporting the show that way, please go check it out. Patreon.com slash Dissectingthe80s. Welcome to Dissecting the 80s. I and one half of the mega podcasting powers, just the facts, Trip Lano. And with me, as always, is a man who, according to one internet reviewer, has decided to, for the last eight years, seven years, to schedule his life around being bullied on a regular basis. The Macho Andrew. Andrew Lano. Yeah, I, I mean, I assume they know we're brothers. I don't. We don't. Probably. I don't think we say it every episode, but the implication I, is I, there. <laughs> I do think that that is perhaps somehow lost, even though, like, whenever we talk about stuff, it is mom singular and not, like, my mom. Or I guess some of, some of the times we probably slip up and say my mom. But, yeah. like, if it, it, we do not come out and say, my brother, my brother. So maybe I should just, like, add that to the intro so that people I mean, know. we do have the same last name. <laughs> yes, but that doesn't So we're either married or related. <laughs> yes, that's true. But yeah, we had a. We had a I am fine. Thank you, reviewer, for your concern. 
I'm cool. <laughs> it is it is nice that people are concerned about your well-being, and I, I respect that. But I, I unfortunately like found it looking for something else. And that's not this is not me being like, I don't ever Google myself because come on, I do. Like, of course I look it up. Like oh, yeah. of course I spend time like wondering. I'm not a, I'm a little bit narcissist. We all are. But in this particular instance, I wasn't like, let me see if people are saying mean things about me. I was trying to find some other piece of information about the show and found this review. And then I was just like, whoa, what a wild. Like, I'm sure that sometimes you and I bicker a little bit. And I, I'm sure that in like an abstract. The only thing I can like, think yeah, is that totally. maybe it was like the Heathers episode or like something where we had a differing opinions, which doesn't happen too often. Yeah. Like, that's the only yeah, thing I can yeah. think of that, like, it was one of those. Yeah, I mean, the other thing is like, you know, I I try to be conscious of the of the habits that I have as a human being and be better about them. It's like a good way to live. It's like, I definitely do sometimes like disagree with you and be like, oh, come on. And like, and kind of dismiss your point. I have done that. I've I'm certainly that I've done that on the show. But yeah. I, 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 there has never been a time where it's like, hey, we, we need to talk about the way because I think you would bring it up with like, hey, we need to talk about the way you act. I would, I, we like would be mid recording and I would say it like. I'm right. not the kind of person right, that's gonna. Right, right. I'm like, okay, I'm gonna leave this. I'm not. I'm not gonna mute myself for this one. I'm gonna call you out right here, right now. Like, <laughs> I would do it. Yeah, you're being an asshole. Yeah. So anyway, uh, thank you for your concern. I think everyone here is fine. And uh, <laughs> to quote that, RuPaul's Drag Race, I hear your concerns. I do not share those same concerns. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so that was the a one star review that came in recently that said I was a big bully. And so uh, I liked I like to think that I'm not. But uh, that's that's just what that is. Uh, anyway, we're back in the 80s. It's the final T. Thanksgiving of all time. And uh, I'm going to put this out there now. So you're just like prepared for it. I did. I was going to tell this to you off mic. And then I decided I would say it like as part of okay. the show. Um, and this is a little spoiler for the end of the episode. I hadn't seen this movie in a very long time. I had seen this movie many times, but I I had not seen Was it. Was it a dad movie? It feels like a dad movie. It does feel like a dad movie, but I am like 95% certain this was just a Comedy Central, just like endless cheap bad to, boy. Cheap to run. And it's like, it's one of those weird ones where it's like, it doesn't cost anything, but it has Dan Aykroyd, very recognizable. Tom Hanks, obviously hugely recognizable. But also the 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 female lead whose name I have written down somewhere but have forgotten at this exact second, she was on Baywatch starting in season three. So she was like a the, regular The Virgin character? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Oh. So she was on Baywatch as like one of the main lifeguards. I just know her as the she was in Christine. Yes, yeah, she is in Christine. But she she had uh a, like three or more year run on Baywatch. And so she was like in the zeitgeist in a way. So it's like huh. people, people knew who she was and that show got syndicated like crazy very quickly. Uh, so it was just like, I think Comedy Central being like anything with a Baywatch girl. Speaking of Baywatch, two second tangent. Have you <laughs> oh, seen God. the trailer for Pam and Tommy? It just dropped like today. Yeah. I, was I know like, it's a, <laughs> I know it's a Hulu limited series. That makeup artist deserves an Oscar. I think it might be a movie. I think it's just a Hulu movie, isn't it? No, I think it's a series. It's a series premiere, February 2nd. Oh, okay. I thought it was a Hulu movie. Let me. Can I take you through the 30-second journey of, of me watching that trailer or whatever, two-minute journey? I was just like, who could possibly give a shit about this? And then I saw in the thumbnail that there was like Seth Rogen looking like a scumbag. And I was like, all right, well, um, you have- And Nick Offerman my- looking gross. 
Well, he wasn't in the thumbnail, but then as I started watching, I was like, oh my God, Nick Offerman also playing a scumbag. Like, this is so much more interesting than I thought it would be. So yeah. I still don't know that I will actually watch it, but I, I totally agree with you. The, um, the, the Lily James on... is unrecognizable. It's insane. Yeah. Same for, is it Sebastian Shaw it's or Stan. Sebastian Stan? Okay. I always screw that up. Um, he, he looks, he looks a lot like Tommy. Mm-hmm. But it, like I, for her, for a second, I was like, "Did?" Because I saw pictures a while ago of like, "You won't believe this," and I was like, "Wow!" But like in the in the trailer, like it looks like they deep faked Pamela Anderson onto someone else. Yeah, no, it is it is really wild. I I am very curious though what they're gonna like. The the big question I have in terms of makeup and prosthetics is gonna be like, okay, so like we all know the Boogie Nights penis, but like. This needs to be even bigger and more badder than the Boogie Nights penis. So, like, I need the I need the the nine part oral history of the K and B effects group or whomever it is of just like, well, so we had to make Tommy Lee's giant penis. Like, and here's how we did it. <laughs> and then Sebastian Stan being like, yeah, I had to wear this special back brace to carry it around. <laughs> They were like really worried about I was gonna throw a disc, so like, no, you have to do. I did all these special lunge exercises to walk around with this thing hanging in my pants. I guess Hulu can they can make it rated whatever they want, so they could they could show it. Uh, if they, uh, let, let, let me go this far. I don't particularly care about this show, but if they don't show it, that is like a twenty letter degree drop because that is the only thing people talk. There's like, hey, Pam Anders is naked. Yeah, we've kind of seen that before. Did you see the size of Tommy Lee's hog? <laughs> and also, I I don't know if you remember this, and I I'm not going to put the names on the podcast, but I I ha, this is just flashbulbed a memory into existence that. Uh, uh, two relatives, an aunt and uncle of ours, definitely watched this and definitely asked our parents if they had seen it at a time when they thought children were out of earshot. And I like was old enough to know what this was and was like, "Oh God!" and just like, just like I was like, "I can't hear the answer to this." Cool man out the, out the window. <laughs> it's like the I just wall, threw, my, threw myself down the basement steps. It's just like I can't know the answer. Ooh, uh, ooh, 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 ooh. It's like get away. Uh, yeah. So. Uh, anyway, it captured the cultural zeitgeist, is, is I guess what I would say, of the Pam and Tommy Lee uh, stolen yeah. sex tape. Anyway, that's enough Pam and Tommy Lee giant penis talk. Uh, we should we should get into Dragnet. We watched 1987's Dragnet, and you know what that means. We gotta go back. We gotta go dissect the 80s. It's your cop out of water story. Something's gonna be your cop out of water story. When the mega powers explode. I'm talking about the 1880s. Cream of the crop. Oh, 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 yeah. Mega power, yeah! When this baby hits 88 miles per hour, you're gonna see some serious shit. I realized that I was starting to make a point, and then we talked about Tommy Lee's penis for 10 minutes. And the, 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 the thing I was getting to that I wanted to say on mic originally is that. So I hadn't seen this in easily 15 years, probably a little bit longer than that. And I found myself like just caught up watching and enjoying the movie and not taking the best notes. So Ooh. like if it feels like I'm dragging here, it's like I was just enjoying myself in a way that I was really surprised by. And I kept being like, you got to write stuff down. You got to start writing stuff down. Okay. It took me about, I would say it took me about a half an hour to really get into it. Okay. That feels about the right length of time if you don't know exactly what the setup is here. Yeah. And I, I think it's sort of like, I kind of wanted the beginning to be like, 
sorry to bring it up again, but like we're <laughs> the Brady Bunch movie, like no, it's the, I, that's the like, perfect analog for this. I needed to see like he's walking around the street, like telling people not to litter, as like someone's getting stabbed with a switchblade by someone with a pointy mohawk, like. I wanted oh, okay, a little more okay. establishment because like in the Brady Bunch movie, it's very clear instantly. They are the 1960s Brady's in 1990s California. I needed yeah. this is 1960s or 60s, 60s. I think Dragnet might be. I think Dragnet may span both decades. I think it's like I, my brain wants to say like 19 because it started as a radio show, didn't it? That I'm not sure of, but I'm almost positive. The actual show is like 1957, 1954. OK. But yeah, I wanted some some more like in the beginning, very clear because they try to be like cute and be like your uncle wh- or whatever, your grandfather. Yes, was yes. Uncle, your uncle was it's on the uncle, force yeah. uh, Friday. And I was like, yeah, but like I why, but like, why is he like this? Just show me some like like his house should should have been like a 60s vision, like a mid-century modern vision or something like something that says like he's I- firmly planted in a different time. Yeah. And and it's interesting because the character is like, I would say, 80 percent what you're describing and 20 percent like a regular human being. Like, it seems like Mm -hmm. Joe Friday. I almost said junior, but that's wrong. But it seems like he knows that he's a weirdo a little bit like he's aware that he's outside the norm, I guess. Yeah. And I think that's what I didn't like. I was like, I want it. I want some less self-aware because it's 2021 and every fucking thing is so self-aware these days musicals can't just be musicals anymore people have to comment on the fact that we're singing we get it it's a musical we're we bought the tin right just shut up and sing it's interesting that you say that though because the the thing that i was gonna say that really makes me like this and also i realize is like the through line of all of the versions of this stuff that i do like which is like the two brady bunch movies for sure this is not an exhaustive list but also like at least the first 21 jump street movie and, mm-hmm. and this is like we treat our source material with irreverence as opposed to reverence. And it's not like this is a sacred text, which we have the honor of adapting, which I think that new Ghostbusters like gets a little into. Have you seen I, it? Like I just. Mm-hmm. And I would like my, my one sentence review to is like. I mostly liked it. There is one particular aspect of it that I personally have just like a big problem with in general that is like not limited to the Ghostbusters, but like a particular choice of the movie. I was just like, okay, I just do not care for this. And I wish that it wasn't in this, but it's like mostly fine. The big problem I have with it is like, it's just not that funny. And like, it's, it's cute. And it's, it's it, the kid acting. Exciting. Good and it's got kids in peril. It's got some very fun action pieces. It's got some cleverness. Like it doesn't quite go all the way over into kid movie. Like, you know, zoinks kind of. Stuff. Whoa. Yeah. Yeah. Nobody says, whoa, but like they think it like, like there are, there are more than one. I've, I saw in the trailer, there's like a, a, a seat comes like shoots out the side of Ecto Ecto yes. one. And I was like, I was like, I bet some kid they're going to take a hard right turn and someone's going to be like, and it's going to like swivel and they're going to like, whoa. Yeah. It doesn't do that. But also that thing was in the cartoon. Oh, was it? Yeah, in the in the real Ghostbusters or Extreme Ghostbusters? No. The real was the, one of the was the first one. I can't remember if it's that one or the extreme one, but one of those two adaptations has a has a gunner seat that slides out of the back of the Ecto-1. So I didn't find that to be like insane. 
Um, although it certainly isn't in the first two Ghostbusters movies. Um, but yeah, it's gotta I, sell it's toys. Mostly, right, right. It's it's this movie is very toyetic. Like, you know, there's lots of stuff that you can sell. Uh, and I think they probably have. Um, it's mostly pretty good. There's like the the stuff that you like really don't want them to do. Like, I, I don't think this is a spoiler. Well, I'll just say it non-spoilery. Like when the effects can logically be practical, they are largely. And when the, okay. there is, of course, like CGI, like the ghosts are CGI. But like even like the way the proton packs go, I realize this was going to be one sentence and we're bordering on 100 hours now. But like, <laughs> proton, like this is a love run on sentence. Yes, it's a five paragraph essay in it. I will. Um, the proton pack stuff like looks like the 80s proton pack stuff. But okay. obviously they used like a computer to make it because like, why wouldn't you? It's it's much easier. But it looks like when people do electric finger, you know, when ghosts do electric sparky stuff like they do in the old movies, it looks mm-hmm. like an 80s effect done by a computer. So it's like cleaner, okay. but still like the same that. vibe. Yeah. And that is a lot of what I didn't like about the 2016 one is like everything is very computery and it was just like yeah it just got computer overload to me this is there's like stuff I like here do i think it's a great movie no do i think it's a perfectly adequate movie absolutely is it gonna get a sequel almost definitely like and and that is where it's like okay well maybe in the sequel they can forge their own identity a little more than they do in this one which you know i i could have i could have done without but yeah i think you would probably enjoy it they do <laughs> this is also non-spoiler i guess it is technically um there's some scenes with the original crew that are just like little tack-ons that are done during and after the credits that have just like no bearing on the movie. But okay. it is it like you see a person's name in the credits and then that goes away and like 30 seconds pass, and then you see that person for the first time on screen, and it's like, well, why are they in the credits? They're they aren't in this movie. They they, they have a they have a like a what what's it, an eighth day rate? <laughs> It's like I, they came in for 45 minutes on a lunch break from a different movie and filmed a scene. Yeah, they came in, had, had a Danish, did their scene and left. Yeah, like I don't even know if there was a Danish involved. This might not have been like worthy of having a cup of coffee. Hmm. Weird. So, yeah. Anyway, um, that movie, I think, definitely does the thing where it's like there's this reverential energy toward the original thing where it is like. Ghostbusters is a sacred, meaningful text that people have derived large parts of the parts of their lives about, and we cannot treat it with anything but the utmost respect. And it's part of the reason why I think, and we've talked about this in the podcast many times, is like remake okay to bad shit and let the good stuff let's live on its like own. Like it was good for a reason, right? Find the right. bones, and if, find the bad, find the good bones in the shit, and be like, oh, hang right. on, right? And it's like. I'm sure people remember Dragnet fondly, who who some of the people who watch this. And also, I did look it up. You're correct. It was on the radio. Uh, and then became a TV show. Yes. TV show originally ran from 51 to 59. And then there was like a brief late 60s, early 70s revival, which I, I, I'm not going to click and read through all the details because ultimately this is not a Dragnet. Was History it Lone podcast. Ranger also in that ballpark? It was it was it was radio. Lone Ranger TV was definitely radio. Movie? Yeah, that definitely happened for sure with the, with that as well. Zorro is probably the same thing. Mm, I would guess. Yeah. I, I I don't know that offhand, Annie, but it's like I guess technically wasn't. Yeah, yeah, you're definitely right. You're definitely right. But like, so like people probably remembered Dragnet to some level, right? Like it had stopped airing. If the the original show stopped airing in '59, this comes out in '87. It's like pretty long ago for most people. Though it probably ran in reruns and stuff like that. So yeah. it's like 
just like kind of a cultural reference that some people have a lot of fondness for and some people don't really care about. But I don't think compared to Ghostbusters is like there are people who like build Ecto one versions of their car and they wear the jumpsuits and they go to like charity events. And I'm not making fun of these people. Like to be very clear, like it's cool to love stuff. And I think that's wonderful. But like when you're touching on something that has had that kind of like meaningful impact in somebody's life, it almost forces you to be reverential about it. Whereas like, I think a lot of people like the Brady Bunch, but I don't think anybody like, so the Brady Bunch is sort of that, um, like, uh, it's a wonderful life syndrome. Like while it was on the air, it didn't do great. Like people was like, people were like, it's a show, whatever. Yeah. But then it became syndicated and teenagers started watching it when they're home from school, sick or whatever. And it gained like second life popularity. So that's why I think it leans, it lends itself more to the, like, it was never, it was never revered in its day. It was always looked back on. And so when it's something is looked back on, it's easier to be like, yes, this is goofy and silly, but it's fun. Right. Right. And and the Brady Bunch got a third wave uh, with Nick and Knight because we watched it when we were younger. Like I, I, (laughs) in thinking about notes and taking notes for this episode and like the, the like wanting to talk about this conversation we're having right now, I remembered this very specific Nick at night promo and this one line of it got stuck in my head. And then thankfully I, I was saw able, all night long. Uh, no, it's the line right before that, which is I want to mow the astro turf turf and see saw yes. all night long. I want to star yeah. in local talent shows by singing groovy songs. Yeah. I want to yeah. be a Brady. Right, right, right. And I totally remember this promo and I, it was that thing where it's like your brain is like, I can't finish the the line and it's killing me. And I luckily was able to find this promo and watch it and was like, oh, thank God. This is, thank God someone felt the need to preserve this Nick at Night <laughs> promo from 1997 or whatever it was. But I think that Nick at Night popularity is what led to those movies. And that's why like there's like a third. I'm just adding on to what you're saying. To the, yeah. There's also, I think, like a third wave. But you're exactly right. Is like it was just like a sort of thing that was around that people are aware of. And 21 Jump Street, largely before that movie, I think is probably the same category was like it became this kind of cultural shorthand for like undercover cop in high school. Like there was jokes about um, there's a joke in that rock series. And he he talked about it years before that, that like he developed really fast. He was big and tall and had a mustache. And people thought he they <laughs> called him Jump Street because they were like, oh, you're clearly, you know, a cop. So it's like when you can treat the thing as like the jumping off point to have some fun and and you can bring in references, but without being feeling like you need to belabor the references and stuff, it really does work for me. So it's like, I want irreverent tone. Like I want to, I don't want you to disrespect it, but I want you to be like, I like this thing, but come on, it's a little ridiculous, right? Exactly. That's what the tone I want to hit with, with these sorts of things. It's like, I just, if we can do that, we're all, we, all we do is remake and reboot shit. So just, can we just not treat all of it? Like sacred text would be great. Like they're not all the Bible or whatever, holy book, right? They're not the Torah. They're just, they're just fucking movies, man. And I like <laughs> Ghostbusters a lot. It's one of my favorite movies, but like, it's just a fucking movie, man. Like it's okay to not treat it. Like it's the Bible. I agree. Speaking of two seconds, I've, Remember a, while, a little while ago, I said I was into watching compilations of 80s Halloween commercials at Halloween, like uh-huh. 70s, 80s, 90s. Uh, now I've, sw- I've finally dipped my toe into the Christmas commercial compilations. Lovely, lovely, lovely. Um, but one of them is, a com- it's like a, a book flying through the air. and It's just called The Book. And it's like, this story has been, you know, of excitement and intrigue and mystery and, and war and blah, blah, blah. It's, 
been retold and passed down to generations. And I was like, are you talking about the Bible? And <laughs> the Bible got a rebranding in like the 80s or 70s as just the book. It was just called I the kn- book. I know the, I know the commercial you're talking about. So it must have persisted a little longer than out of the 80s. And I, but I was just like, it was like, give the gift of, of, of Christ's word with the book or the, the, the easy to read the, or the teen version. And I was like, when did we re, when did they rebrand? <laughs> I thought <laughs> the whole else. point, like, I'm not a particularly religious person. I was under the impression that the whole like crux of religion is that like, we don't rebrand. It is, <laughs> it is the, well, the thing well, we do. <laughs> well, you do have like, you know, you got your like King James version, which is the, you know, the more popular Bible, but there are different like, uh, translations, translations is perhaps the wrong word, but it, no, it's yeah, translations. Translation, yeah. Yeah. Or I was going to say, um, editions. Yeah. Editions, but there's another academic type word of, uh, it's a sim- similar to transition or, um, translation, but, but not exactly the same thing. Anyway, all that to say, um, the, the commercial you're talking about, I distinctly remember, but I was also thinking of like the extreme teen Bible type thing of like, Oh, I remember those or like the illustrated storybook one. So it's like, I think they're just like some cigar chomper was like, you know, it costs no money to get the rights to the Bible. Let's make a definitive (laughs) edition of the Holy book to sell more copies. Yeah. Yeah. So that's my guess is it's the same like public domain rating that Disney does. (laughs) It's like, yeah, I mean, fair. (laughs) What can we steal and make money off of now own? I, I put my Bible in the giveaway pile. Oh boy. It's not a it's not a thin book. It's oh not a boy. slim tome. Oh boy. And I was just like, hey, this is this like recently I was like finally per- getting everything out of our parents' house. And I was like, these are the things I'm not taking with me. Here's the stack of the books or whatever. And mom was like, What? And I was like, I looked at her and dad laughed. I was like, I'm sorry, mom. In what world? In what world am I, as a 29-year-old adult human, taking this with me to my new home? Like, I'm not going to crack it open. I never did crack it open. I'm not going to start now. There is a copy of a Bible in my house that is not owned by me, but I have personally moved one, two, one, two, three times. And I keep it. Every time we move, we cut the book pile down. Like, down, 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 down. Yeah. Where it's like, truthfully, now we have a bookcase that is embarrassingly devoid of books because I just like stuff I really like. I got a Kindle copy of or, or whatever, and I read mostly on my Kindle. And it's like I had very few books that there's like a small selection of stuff that's like from my childhood. That's like this has some meaning. Like my copy of this means something to me, yeah, or whatever. But but mostly I'm like I don't I don't really need this. And I was like, do we really need to move this Bible again? Like. But this was like apparently some relative's copy. There's like some gotcha. handwriting and stuff inside, and it's like got sentimental value. But I was just like, "There's like 24 books on our shelf." The fact that one of them is a Bible in our house is bonkers. Like, just really push awesome. it lower. Put it on a lower <laughs> shelf. There's there's only two shelves of books. There's not a lot of lower to go. Yeah, I only have one bookshelf. The bottom shelf is all scripts. And even that is overflowing. And then the shelf above that is all like acting textbooks and like mm-hmm. theater, like specific books. And yeah. so I have, I have three shelves of like, not of like, not, not novelty books, leisure books. Yeah. And then two shelves of like, w- quote unquote workbooks. Right. And I was like, I was like, I'm not, 
bringing this. I was like, you can keep it, whatever you want to do with it, but it's not coming with me. (laughs) I'm not taking this extreme teen Bible with me. It it wasn't even the extreme teen. It was like the regular Bible. The the good old, the holy book. Yeah, it had the the little papers stuck in it. That like oh, denoted oh, the like, chapters or whatever. Sure, sure, sure. Yeah, yeah. And I yeah. was like, I was just like, I'm, I'm not going to do this. <laughs> but I'm looking at it now. By shelf space, ours is like ten percent yearbooks, ten percent coffee table books, twenty percent Harry Potter's, <laughs> and then like assorted others is the rest. Oh, I have, I have a few, like, uh, maybe four coffee table books upstairs, but that's kind of it. Yeah. Uh, anyway, yes, uh, I don't know how we got on this Bible tangent. We have talked about this movie for approximately one minute of the 30 minutes we have been recording, which is a pretty bad average even for the two of us. Yeah, I, well, I mean, it's been a minute since we recorded, so I think yeah. we're just <laughs> See, that's the problem of getting out of the rhythm of like, it's like, okay, we know what we're doing, so uh, apologies if you hate this. Uh, I'm going to have to put a thing in the, th- in the thing of like- We're pulling on my favorite murder and we're making it yeah. fun at the top. Yeah, I'm going to be like, fast forward to 30 minutes if you just want to hear us start talking about this movie. Um, we open with uh, B-roll of Los Angeles, uh, narrated I, by- I really love Aykroyd's voice. I always forget yeah. what a great like voice he has. Absolutely. I, yeah. I, I think I just take it for granted. And I'm like, oh yeah, it's nice. It's also interesting because he's doing this affect here, which is like- kind of a silly affect but you could he you could see a version in which he uses this more serious voice instead of his sort of jokey regular voice to do like you know voiceovers for nature documentaries or, or audiobooks yeah. or whatever that would be really satisfying it reminds me of the what, what the voice he's putting on reminds me of the um the law and order svu intro like yes, that guy's voice for sure mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. definitely same vibes um and he's, he's got a lot of badge footage Oh yeah, for the opening when he's like, uh, it's like a just like a picture of the LAPD badge, and then these like weird like close-ups from different angles as this like SNES music plays, and I was like, yes, can we move on? <laughs> well, then we roll into the theme song to the movie, which is the rap song where it's like, just the facts, ma'am, just the facts, ma'am. It's a bizarre choice. It's like rapping Rodney poisoned our whole goddamn brain. Like, what have we done? What have we done? Yeah, I mean, I, I come from in in like Drag Race world. Every other word gets remixed into like a song. So I was like, I was like, I haven't watched the movie yet. These lines right. don't mean anything to me. Right, right, right. It's like just the facts. I think is supposed to be the one everybody knows. That's the like that's the classic dragnet line. You know, that's yeah. the uh, yeah, you know. Uh, the chong chong of of dragnet into from law and order why do i go with dun dun so uh i always thought it was dun dun but i was recently reading an article about the man who wrote those two notes and subsequently has enough money to buy most countries that aren't in europe or or the uh north america and he calls it chung chung that's weird yeah i always thought dun 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 dun. Yeah, that. Yeah, but there is, there is. Oh, this I have to stop doing this because it's going to do the like weird automatopoeia word becomes a sound thing and ruin my brain. But there, if you think about the sound, there is there a is G sort of a ch. I, I, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. 
And it has like the end sort of has a G sound. And that we cannot, I cannot go further than this with you. My journey with this conversation must end here. I will mute and let you get all your thoughts out if you need to go for 20 more minutes when I cannot. No, yeah, no, no. I, 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 I think it definitely has like, it's like with um, like a tubular bell when you strike mm-hmm. it, the beginning of that sound has a sort of ch quality to yeah. it. Yeah, I think that's what it is. Anyway. No, I'm not high. <laughs> we neither of us is on drugs. Because um, water tastes like broccoli, man. <laughs> I really like the uh, like the name has been changed, but then they tell you it anyway. That's like a really stupid police academy type joke. It's like the name John Smith has been changed to Paul Jones. <laughs> Like they, oh, because they say they, this is based on a true story, right? Yes, yes. Except for the fact that the name Paul Smith has been changed to John Jones, or what? I don't know. I didn't write the name down, but that yeah. I got a legitimate laugh out of that, like right off the bat in this movie. That I was like, oh man, maybe this is actually still good. Like I have hopes. It's a solid movie. I did like it overall. I will say that up top. I did like it. I thought it was a little long, but I liked it. Y- yeah. I, I think that's a totally valid criticism. I think the first 45 minutes of this really cooks. And my guess is it's because it's a 45 minute episode of a cop show. Yeah. We, uh, fairly recently, I want to say fairly recently within the last few months that I said felt like a two episode arc of a TV show. Totally. I, I Yes. I don't remember what it was, but that did happen very recently. But this one is interesting to me because it's like the first 45 minutes feels like a full on just like a TV episode of like you got your cold open with this fire department part. It establishes the mystery that it feels like the pilot of a TV show, like the two the new partners introduced. Yeah, I I was going to say or the first episode of a new season. Yeah, yeah. And it's like you you run through all this stuff and you kind of conclude that narrative, but not the whole. It's like you conclude that week's episode, but not the arc that you're working on. And Mm -hmm. so the next hour is the whole rest of the arc and it feels kind of clunky to me. But the first 45, I think, is truly very good. Yeah. So a fire, someone dressed as a fire chief sets a fire to a bunch of they I you can kind of assume they're porn magazines, kind of. They're called bait. They're, They're but yeah. B-A-I-T. So I was like, is it a yeah. fishing magazine? <laughs> it's, it's a one-handed fishing magazine. Your bait and tackle. <laughs> exactly. Because uh, at first I was like, why did the fire chief set the fire? I'm like, my my dumbass brain didn't, didn't, <laughs> couldn't fathom, couldn't fathom that it was a disguise. <laughs> I think if he had like ripped off a mustache or something. Sure, sure. Like something, nothing, because I was like, I don't know anyone. This movie just started. I don't I don't know any you can't be like this person you're meeting them in a disguise. <laughs> right. But also uh the the mustache on this man is absolutely it's glorious a good one. and I would I would not want it ripped off anything. Uh but, so we meet- but the uh the other part of this I really like though is an actual cop comes up to the fire chief and is like, you know, what's going on here? I, you know, why why is this happening? Where's the fire? And yeah, the fire chief throws the mold of cocktail to start the fire. Then he gives him like a, a Vulcan Spock neck pinch, milk Vulcan neck pinch. But he keeps talking to him after he's on unco- like he he knocks him unconscious. And then he's like, and tell your boss to stay out of it. I was like, well, he's not going to get that message now. Yeah, this whole, this whole movie is going to be set off by this miscommunication. Like it was like a rom-com. <laughs> Uh, and then he leaves uh, a business card that says pagan, but all the letters have periods in between to say like right, that stands right. for something. And it's got a little uh, ram's head. No, not a, it's 
Is it a ram? It's a ram. I think it's a ram. Might be a no, because rams have swirly horns. Westchester was the rams. They have swirly horns. These are more the like. And technically, it's a bighorn sheep that has it. I think the ram just might be like a sub derivative of a bighorn sheep. It's a. It's got Black Phillip's face on it. <laughs> it does have Black Phillip's face on it. That would thou like to live, acroidliciously? I forgot that, like, for whatever reason. For whatever reason, I'm just like obsessed with Black Phillip, and I forgot to like rewatch the movie again. I was like, "Oh yeah, no, for like I, that the voice is like kind of sexy, but also silly, and like the concept of Black Phillip is great." Like I'm working on a cross stitch that says, "What's the like to live deliciously?" And my boyfriend is it and I will to say be that a piece of cheesecake next to it, yeah, exactly, or a black forest cake, I guess would be more on brand. Yeah, but that's like something that Jack and I say to each other all the time of like. Like, wouldst thou like to park parallel? <laughs> I, I do not care for this ASMR version of the <laughs> podcast. I would like it to be over as quickly as possible. Please and thank you. Um, the actor here is is Jack O'Halloran, which is like a great actor name. He feels very like familiar who, looking. Yeah, I he so he's in Superman and Superman Two, so it's very possible that like. He was on your radar from that, but I looked. Well, up he to- looks like he would have been the, and I say this with all reverence. He would have been the villain in a children's movie. So I think he's the villain in the Flintstones. He plays a guy called Yeti, which may or would I don't remember that movie in the well original enough. Flintstones movie. The the Dan uh, Dan Dan Good, John Goodman one. No, he's not the villain in that because the villain in that is Halle Berry and a handsome right. man. But do they have like a like a heavy? Like they're henchmen? No, they Yeti don't. I like think so. I think okay. he must. Pl- he plays one of the men who works at the at the factory with. Like he has like a friendly rivalry with Fred because okay. okay. he's not a bad guy. Bad guy. But like okay. I'm picturing him being like uh, the Airbud. Like he's kind of. It reminds me of, like the Airbud villain. <laughs> this dog can't play basketball. No, not the rule book. The actual villain in the Airbud film, <laughs> right, but the villain who, who like the the villain who like learns the rules in the rule book, waits for Airbud to make the championship against his team, pulls out the rule book and is like, uh, they have to forfeit all their games and they can't play in the championship, and we win. Slams the book down. Yeah, but he, I mean, he like the actual like guy who dresses like a clown in the Airbud movie. Oh, you're. Oh, okay. The, the real villain here. of the actual <laughs> yeah, Airbud movie. I, I've I've identified the issue. It's that you think I remember the plot to Airbud. <laughs> so it's is, not even the plot. Is, I just remember me, the. Can scene. I give you the the? I, it will take long. The entirety of what I remember about Airbud. There is <laughs> dog, a dog basketball. There is a basketball, and there is someone who says the line. There's no rule in the rule book that says a dog can't play basketball. That's, That's a line the, in Airbud. Yes. I just remember there was a birthday party scene where some dude is a clown. I, I think it's. Does Air he Bud. try to kill Airbud? No, I, I I don't remember. I just is remember this like, scene. Hey, Airbud, here's a couple of brownies. Give him a yeah, shot. Here's some. Here, wash it down with some grape juice and onions. Is it grape juice or just? I always assumed they couldn't eat grapes because they would choke on them. No, you. They can't. It's it's, it's like a chemical in the grape that they ah, can't. Ah, okay. Digest. So grape juice would be really bad. Yeah, like like dogs I can't see. drink wine. Well, they also shouldn't. But I, I mean, like, if you spill wine on the floor, like, and you have a dog, wipe it up. Like, don't be like, oh, you know, like, if, like, some people, like, if you like, spill, like, water, the dog licks it up or whatever. Yeah, yeah. 
I'm what? Picture, I'm just picturing a bunch of dogs like sitting on loungers wearing like really basic like wine ba- wine is my personality type t-shirts of just like the poodle like oh I'd love an oaky shard on a lovely crisp autumn morning. <laughs> I don't I just I just having a good giggle at the dog picture in my brain. So we meet Ackroyd's character and I immediately was like is he a Rorschach from Watchmen? Because I oh. fucking hated Rorschach. No, yeah, I totally see why you might think that. I totally get that. Because thankfully that, not. Thankfully, thank Christ not. Because I that was a big reason why I had a hard time watching Watchmen. Because I was like, he is insufferable. Like, yeah, I would I would go so far as to say Friday is like the opposite of Rorschach. It's like they'll they'll ask for help and I'll be like right there. Give me just a second. Yeah, I gotta he will offer the, the help, but but yeah. he will he will be a, a stickler about it. Yes, but he it is not a moral code. It is the penal code. So it's yeah. like it's like it's, he's not he's not a vigilante at all. It's like I, I make the rules. It's like, well, a group of senators and Congress people got together and made these rules and I'll be supporting them. I like your 1920s voice. <laughs> it's it's not exactly right, but it's like the spirit of the thing, I feel. Yes. He gets assigned a new partner. Because even like this beginning part where we see his desk is like looks like something out of like a gu- he's like a gumshoe. Like it yeah, looks like yeah. Roger yep. Rabbit. Mm-hmm. And I was like, I needed more rea- like other people reacting like to the fact that his desk has a blotter on it. Like, right. Why is there a blotter on your desk in 1987? Right. Right, right. Or like, you know, he's filling out reports in meticulous handwriting while someone next to him. Or like he has a typewriter. Right, right, right. And everyone else has the like the black and green computers or something. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, I agree. A little bit more there would would be good. I agree. And I like I really like your idea of like if you saw his house and it just felt like it was from a different era completely, like would totally make sense for this character. Mm -hmm. Because when we later meet his grandmother, she just feels like an 80s grandma. She right, she she feels way hipper than he is. Oh yeah, she's she's like deuces, dude. I'm gonna go yeah. have fun. She's a cool granny. That's what it is. Is that she's just a very cool granny. Yeah. The 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 thing I the other quibble I have here is Hanks gets this. I think very funny entrance where he gets like towed in in this car that is just absolutely it's held together barely like as soon as the tow truck stops pieces fall off. Which yeah. I I really like this. It's a Muppet thing. car. Yeah, a fully it's a Muppet car. But then Ackroyd is like, now this is unacceptable. You're dressed like a, a big bum. And he like rub, rub, reads in the right act. And then we do like a like a, a flip wipe. And Hanks is like in regular 80s Tom Hanks mode. And I was like, I don't know, man. I kind of would have liked to see like scumbum Tom Hanks a little more. I don't need scumbum, but like I'll, give me Hanks with long hair and a beard. Like, Yeah, well, that's scumbum. Well, I didn't. I didn't mean he didn't have to stay. Like he, he came out looking like Robin Williams and Jumanji. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. He could have been a little tidier, but okay, yeah. So it's the other thing that I thought was funny while watching this, and I, I promise we will get back to the point of of this podcast, which is like recapping and making jokes. But it's really fascinating to me that like we really have like there's to my mind, and there's probably some variants within these, and there's probably one you're going to tell me that I forgot, which is fine. But to my mind, there's like basically three cop tales. You have like really crazy corruption cop story, which is like, you know, your training days, Batman, sure, uh, you know, Serpico. You got your your old cop, young cop duo, 
which is like your lethal weapons and stuff. And then mm. you have this, which which Hanks just did the opposite of in his uh, the dog one, Turner and Hooch, where Hanks was the wild, goofy cop, and he had a very uh, or sorry, Hanks was the very straight laced cop, and he had a goofy partner in Reginald L. Johnson. Where here he's like the goofy cop, and Dan Aykroyd is the the straight edge one. But it's like we have that's it. Like that's the three cop narratives are like old cop, young cop, crazy cop, fastidious cop, and then really corrupt stuff. <laughs> and it's like that's all the narratives we have for policing. And it's like pretty much. It, it, yeah, it's just really wild. And again, like if you've got the other one, please tweet it. Like I'm not I'm not suggesting I have created the Where would kindergarten list. cop fall into that? <sighs> so that would be an outlier, but I don't know what category I would call that. But isn't kindergarten cop and now go with me here because I'm getting a little wild and wacky. Uh isn't kindergarten cop kind of like really tight laced cop and really wild cop, except the wild cop is the kindergarten classroom of children? Yeah. It, like it's like classroom is of he, children. Is as he, a I, I don't remember if is he uh like a straight laced cop in that? My recollection of the narrative of that movie, which has been oodles of time is that like he's a real by the book guy and being the kindergarten cop kind of teaches him to loosen up a little that okay. might be wrong i mean that but that, that feels sense. right yeah i i the thing i remember from that is like who is your daddy and what does he do like very like you know you know he's like trying to solve this mystery and he's got a bunch of wild kids so i that and it's, to me it's that's not a tumor it, that's that yes one, right? yeah yeah exactly yeah so it's like I think that's probably the category that fits it best, where it's like it's straight laced cop and goofy cop, except goofy cop is twenty four children or <laughs> yes. whatever the number is. But that's I think where that one would land for me. Although again, like if someone's got the idea, please feel free to fire up the tweet box. Um, the thing that I so back to the movie that we we're talking about, I realized something in this, which is that Dan Aykroyd is really good at playing a goober. Like he does it really well here. Yeah. He does it really well in Ghostbusters. And then I was like, oh, right. He probably is a goober. Like, and I don't mean that like derivatively, derisively or so derisively. derisively. Yeah. It's like, I'm a bit of a goober too, but it's just like, yeah, of course he's good at playing a goober. Like he, he, he kind of is. He's like really into aliens and weird shit. (laughs) Yeah. Although I always say for Ghostbusters, I don't think of him as a goober. He kind of plays a sort of like every man, like. He's the least wacky, I find, of all the Ghostbusters. Except for the ghost job, yes. Okay, yes, that. But I mean, <laughs> but like in the grand scheme of the movie, he's kind of the least wacky. Yeah, yeah. Well, uh, yes, Winston, perhaps even further along that scale than he is, but they basically don't treat him as a character in it. No. Well, he yeah. got a doctorate, apparently. In the new oh, one, okay. he's referred to as doctor, apparently, according to Wikipedia. I don't remember them calling him doctor in the movie, but he's incredibly wealthy. Yeah, it was his 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 character name was like Dr. Winston Zedmore. Interesting, because they specifically talk about Murray becoming a professor. I literally just go love Wikipedia. They just, they just don't I, I just don't remember that title coming across. But whatever. Happy for him to be a fake doctor. Totally fine. Um, So they're driving and. Dan Aykroyd is driving 15 below the speed limit on a highway. Yeah, and I was like, yeah. if I drove past a cop doing 50 on a highway, I would report them so fast. <laughs> yeah, I uh, I often am like, get out of the 
left lane. You're driving 10 under. And that that's sort of my vibe. And then I, I recently had a situation which I was driving slow and uh, on purpose. And I was, I was just trying to take my time to get somewhere. But I was in the left lane and the car came really up on me. And I was about to be annoyed at them. And I was like, oh, right. You're the dick. Get out you're of the in left, left lane. lane. Yeah, get out of the way. So maybe I think people just don't do use that system. It's it's I mean, there's signs posted, but like people don't think about us like stay in the right. Just use the left to pass. People are right, like, it's right. two lanes. Do whatever, do whatever you want. It's anarchy. Right, right, right. Uh, so we go we uh, we're investigating this this uh, the disappearance of some animals and they, they left behind this pagan card. So we go to the zoo and it is literally the zookeeper keeper is wearing like a cast aluminum safari helmet. I thought it looked like plastic. Oh, did you? Okay, it looks shiny and like actual metal to me. I was very perplexed by this zookeeper. No, I got I got plastic shine, but that's me. Okay, okay. She also says anaconda. Yes, she does. And I was like, no one caught that. This line is a vo line. This yes. is voiceover, and you couldn't. Right. No one thought to be like, hey, you added an extra D in there. Then this isn't an aluminium situation. Like no one says anaconda. Yeah, yeah, it is very, very weird. Uh, so it turns out there's like a couple of sn- the anaconda and a couple other snakes are missing, plus a couple other animals I can't remember. It's a fruit bat, a, That's fr- right. a fruit bat, an anaconda, and then they shaved the lion into a mohawk, which is That's pretty right. radical. Uh, yeah, that's there's a the other that's another I was a legit laugh line for me of like Ackroyd's really upset about this lion and he's like there's a bunch of kids here today or never gonna find out that this is just temporary and Hanks is like oh I got it hey kids the lion's mane will grow back and it cuts to this group of children who are all like yay, yay! <laughs> it was just so stupid it made me laugh I also love that it's clearly a female lion with like. Yeah, head, like they they like stra- like strapped a head like a, a mohawk to her. It's so great. Yes, yeah, yeah. Well, it's just like I it, given the choice between that and the alternative. It's like, yeah, I'm I'm glad they didn't shave a lion. Oh, for oh I'm reason. very glad they didn't actually shave a lion down. <laughs> well, it was 1987. It was a very real possibility. <laughs> I don't know if you remember, but the rules were a little different. Perhaps uh, we should point people to our do- episode on the near documentary, not just a joke I'm doing, Roar, about lions just eating people. Yeah. Oh, my God. The other, like a month ago, Jack asked me, he was like, have you ever seen the movie Roar? And I was like, which one? And he was like, it's it's an 80s movie. And it's like lions and stuff. And I was like, oh, the one where Goldie Hawn was not Goldie Hawn. Melanie Griffith. Melanie Griffith. I don't know why that was confusing my head. I was like, the one where Melanie Griffith gets her face mauled in real life and we watch it happen. And he was like, oh, you have seen it. I was like, we did an episode about it like a while ago. I was like, <laughs> I might have time. the that's, movie somewhere. That's that's almost almost surely in the archives. Like the, the you jump on Patreon, you can get the yeah. full back catalog thing. Yeah, I was like, I was like, I'll warn you, like, it's not particularly good. Like, it sounds interesting and it's weird. But I was like, it's not engaging. The movie is not so. I find that movie very interesting to watch in all the parts where you're like, "Oh, I'm go- this is almost like a snuff film," and then the yes. actual like plotting part is br- plot is brutal. So, uh, so they have to go to in universe Hugh Hefner because it was his slutty magazines that were um, they say t- stolen, but I was like, I thought they were burned. Like we watched them burn. So before they set the warehouse on fire, they do take several truckloads worth. I don't know, like, if that was supposed to be it. The other thing, too, is, like, 
he's kind of Hugh Hefner. Like they use the cultural tropes of Hugh Hefner with like mansion, many women around. Yeah. But he's more like a Larry Flint of Hustler. Like he's skeevier than Hugh Hefner ever was. Yeah. I mean, like, like my, Hefner- I just don't have the... Uh, <laughs> I have the only the only reference I have for that is Hugh Hefner for runs a, a no, skin no, no, mag. No, 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 I totally agree. I, I mean, I know Larry Flint because like they made, you know, the people versus Larry Flint and stuff like I not to get too weird into our personal preferences, but I don't know that I've ever seen a Hustler magazine. I'm 35 years old, so I kind of missed the window on that. Uh, so I d- they, they do still make them because I was in a I'm store sure yeah. in Philly that sell it's in the neighborhood that it's called Danny's and it sells like lingerie and sex toys and all that. I I always like to see the like un- gay underwear in person and I like turned around to leave and I was like hustler. <laughs> they I was like okay I guess we're still doing that sure. Danny's was the name of the combination Chinese food slash sub shop in College Park where I went to school. So interesting. Very different stores. Interesting uh, difference in stores there. No penis pasta at my Danny's, but perhaps at yours. I I don't remember if there was any. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, I'm sure they still make that stuff. I I mean, the the gas stations, Royal Farms, which I often use to like love Royal Farms, their chicken. Yeah, but I like they they have decent bathrooms, and so if you're on a road trip, you need to get gas, go to the bathroom, good place to stop. They always have a huge porn rack, and so like there really? have been times, mm-hmm, there have been times I'm like waiting for the other person in my group to get out of the bathroom, and I'm just like, well, I might as well stand and look at the porn mags and see what this looks like, because what else am I doing? In I here? don't. The ones near me in like the Philly area don't have any magazines. Interesting. Even the little janky one near where I lived in Baltimore had the only magazine rack was pornography. And I assumed it was like a trucker based thing. Like they, they maybe they get a yeah. lot of trucker people and that's, that's just like part of it. Like, I don't know, but I was fascinated by it. Yeah. Anyway. So we go he's, to Larry. He's lisping Hugh Hefner, which is a yes, fun choice. Yeah. And it's, it's friend of the show, Dabney Coleman, who yeah. never gets enough to do, criminally underused in this movie. Criminally. He really is. And I understand it's like you have Christopher Plummer playing the other bad guy, you know, uh, famously as he did replacing um, Kevin Spacey in this movie, as he did uh, for uh, All the Money in the World. They, they went in oh, and Oh, that's this right. Uh, no, he did not do that. But- I get it. Like Christopher Plummer, great bad guy. Like he's very good in this movie. I love the character he's playing, but I'm like, man, like you could have put 10% Dabney, more Dabney Coleman in this soup and it would have been better. Everyone loves the Dabney Coleman. But the other thing about this that I love so much is like, it's, we get this B roll of like all these bibs, like by the pool in their outfits. And they're in first we get, they're driving up and there's like lady gardeners. And I was like, they're fully clothed. Like they're wearing like 80 shorts that are like, up to the nipple and like down to the knees there they are they are like i would call it like a more saucy gardener outfit i wouldn't call it a sexy gardener outfit but, but like it's if like, i'm picturing like the the gar- what the gardeners are wearing at the playboy mansion like right there's well, it's like you gotta like tie difference. it up in the front like yeah, like a yeah, like a yeah. like a Britney Spears moment. Yeah, and like a glass of lemonade that's like very condensated, so it's like dripping a lot. Very it's, slippery. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, it's like a slippery glass of lemonade is the part <laughs> yeah. that's missing from here. It's just like a glass that's gen- you got to get that pinky around the underneath. <laughs> you you got to scoop the bottom. Yeah, you gotta you gotta catch it. Yeah, that's what they needed here because it's like. 
Look, for practical purposes, you can't be doing gardening in, in a b- bikini or, or lingerie. I'm not like, saying there's, bikini, there's but like, the I show more skin like, in the summer than these outfits. On. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But the other thing, speaking of outfits, is like, so we cut to the pool and we do this like B-roll, like slow pan across like all the bibs in their various bikinis and stuff. And they're all very skimpy, but there's also just like three times as much fabric as you would expect the bikini to have. It's just in Mm -hmm. weird spots of the body. It's like you get a ton of like upper, like where the leg connects to the The Barbie joint, right? Like, yeah, the Barbie joint fully exposed, but the area between the legs is like, I don't know, six yards of cloth, like between the butt and the front of it is like just so much bunched up fabric. And it's just like, they all have a lot of of weird choices. They all kind of look like they're wearing diapers. Like they're really like a lot of cloth in this very small space. So I thought this was going to come back later because the one uh, she was like Miss March Mm -hmm. 10 years ago or something uh, because it's the 25th anniversary of the magazine, I think. I think that's right. And the other bit is like Tom Hanks knows who every single one of these women is and has memorized their fake little like, I like a man who likes bowling and walking on the beach or whatever it is. Their next bus bio, as I call it. (laughs) Next bus? What is that? Do you not remember Next from MTV? Oh, Next. Oh, 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 oh. Next space new word bus okay yes i do yes. understand what you're saying yes the the show next on mtv the show I next on mtv yes where yes, people yes. were judged solely on their appearance and so yes. it could be sent back to the bus at a handshake <laughs> yes and then they had yeah, one I, gay episode and the gays instantly turned it into a strip club in that bus <laughs> I, we used to watch that a lot in college in the weird downtime between eating dinner and getting ready to go out. And it was like one time, Ooh. just like it just we just all were like, well, I guess we're just going to watch this until it's not on anymore. And it was like 10 o'clock. We watched next for like an embarrassing number of hours. And Room Raiders was the other one. Yeah, that one I did not care for as much. But next is a very funny idea. Mm-hmm. Reboot next is what I'm saying. <laughs> I mean, it's basically Tinder. It's not yeah, all it's that just substantially Tinder. different. Um, but so there's this moment where like the, so because it's the 25th anniversary, uh, Dab, Dabney Hefner is getting together like every Miss Month from the 25 years the magazine has been mm-hmm, mm-hmm. published, which is a cool idea for that kind yeah, of thing. Yeah, agreed. Yeah. And because uh, this woman looks a little older than all the other women there, but she still does, gor- yeah. she's gorgeous, but she clearly is like, she was a 10, 10 years old, older. a model 10 years ago, then yeah. whatever. And she's so like, she's like 28 instead of 18. It's like, <laughs> yes, she's, she's not ancient to be clear. No, I mean, I thought she was in her 30s, I would have guessed. Yeah, yeah, I was being silly. She's probably 33 instead of 23, but it is like the other women are extremely young because she's, uh, she's like, oh, Dan Aykroyd, oh, hello, I'm interested in you. And Tom Hanks is clear is like, hey, I'm gonna go back to the car for 15 minutes to look for my notebook. Why don't you just hang out here for? I'll be I'll be in the car. Come, yeah, yeah. You know, whatever. And Ackroyd is like, no, thank you, ma'am. And then we get the summer rental boob joke. Yes, which exactly I was like, so rental. Boob I was like, what? <laughs> and years later too. So it's just joke theft. Yeah. Which but I thought like, she was gonna come back later. Deal? Me too. I was so surprised. Especially because later they're talking about like, you can't get into that party without an invitation. And I was like, 
is, I was like, oh, it's the uh, the woman with the clipboard and the and the dress exactly. letting, letting the cars in. It's gonna be Miss March ten years ago, right? Right, right. Or the, like, or, or Dan Aykroyd like has her phone number because he got it for the course of the investigation, and now that he's like breaking the rules, he uses it for personal gain as opposed to like, police work. Yeah, no, she doesn't. Uh, so they end up going for lunch. And this was a moment that I, my brain didn't expect because it's chili dogs, two chili dogs, and then what looks like a plate of fruit, but I guess it was actually a plate of sushi. And it's Hanks's at first, because I thought it was a plate of fruit. So I was like, oh, 1960s man is like, I eat fruit. Like I eat healthy or whatever. And Hanks yeah, is going to yeah, be like yeah. sucking on chili dogs. But no, it's the opposite because it's sushi, which if I'd known it was sushi, I would have, right, right. Yeah. I would have grabbed that. But. It's Tom Hanks very is like, strange looking sushi. Yeah. Tom Hanks is like, do you know how many rat parts and, and bug poop is in is in, you know, industrial meat grinders, blah, 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 blah. And Ackroyd is like, I don't like you. I have no uh, my my vices are smoking and chili dogs, so leave me alone. Well, no. He says my only vice is chili dogs, and I wanted to be like, sir, we watch you smoke cigarettes in a lot of this movie. That is also a vice of yours. No, I thought he said cigarettes and this. Okay, all right. I didn't. I thought he. I thought he acknowledged that cigarettes confused. are a vice because later in the movie, some kids try, like ask him for some punks ask him for a cigarette, and he's like, "It's a habit I don't encourage in other people, so I won't give you one." Yeah, yeah. Um. So their car um, gets stolen. Yeah. Which I would have and, realized and- sooner if their car had was like unique. Or, like, had yes. police written on it or something. Yes, yes. Because I, I thought it was just I a carjacking. It, right. I wanted it to be... What I think would make most sense here is if, like, Ackroyd was driving a really meticulously cared-for 50s car. Yes. Very that. And it's like, this was my uncle's car. I keep it... I service it myself, and I get it approved for departmental use with this ongoing waiver. It's got the wings in the back, or the, the fins. The fins. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, the other thing that's really interesting in this movie is like throughout a lot of it, we're seeing scenes happen, but the it's voiceover to carry you through. And so it's like Ackroyd voicing over sort of like, and then we went to investigate and, you know, followed up our next lead. He and gives we the see time. Like B-roll. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And it's like, you know, you see them interview the guy at the fish market or the guy, whatever. And it's like they roll through a couple of things and then, you know, then we cut to the chili dogs. And it's something that like. Doesn't feel like it should work, but I think mostly does in this movie, especially yeah. in very. It's a smart, sh- very it's shorter. a smart way to stitch everything together. Yeah, and it's like we we kind of get to fast forward through stuff, but it also feels in line with what I've never seen an episode of Dragnet, but like what I imagine a fifties cop show to be, which is like a little bit stilted and old. This feels yeah. like that in a in a positive way. I will will say my next note here right after the carjacking, it's like, God, I miss goofball Tom Hanks. Like what I wouldn't give for for Tom Hanks to go back, you know, 25 years or more in vibe and just do like a real goofball live action. He's very stoic old man now. Yeah. Yeah. And it's I think it's like it's that we've talked about this, I think, before in the show where it's just like people don't give enough credit to comedy performances as being challenging. And like, I will always go to bat to defend Marissa Tomei and my cousin Vinny. Like, I think that is an Oscar worthy worthy performance. And I think a good way to like snuff out a film snob is if they dunk on Marissa Tomei winning that Academy Award, because like 
completely well deserved much like Whoopi and ghost is like that movie is yeah. way better because of those performances in it like it's not just a standard performance and, and a good comedy performance is just as hard as a good drama performance like comedy I, is I hard dying is easy yes comedy is hard yes. <laughs> yes so like i will die on this hill forever but i think it's it's like okay like you get conditioned it's like oh i want a bunch of oscars and this kind of acting is like something i can just do now so like i'll just do that it's like I guess, but like, can't we get him being goofy? Like, can't you do like a older adult rom-com that's not like Larry Crown or whatever that nightmare scooter movie he did was like five years ago? I have no idea what that is. Is it called? It's probably not called Larry Crown. It's like him and, uh, is it Julia Roberts? I think it's like Tom Hanks and Julia Roberts, but like five years ago. And the, the poster was like him riding a, a moped, like a Vespa. Huh. I do. I have no no touch point for this. It's it's because it's a terrible movie. But I just well, you know it's like I you know I just well wish I think I keep I kept saying it is it ads. is literally called Larry Crown. I oh, hold on I gotta pat myself in the terrible back. name. It is literally called Larry Crown, and it is literally from ten years ago. Show me what the show me what the poster looks like. Is it is it there? It is literally Tom Hanks and Julia Roberts riding a Vespa. Huh. Okay. I vaguely that poster seems familiar. Because I've seen that Julia Roberts face a hundred times. Yeah. But I've just seen, everywhere I see ads, I was seeing ads for that whatever space robot movie he just did for Apple TV. I actually think that looks entertaining, but I just would like, just be goofier. I'm like, have fun. Um, so we meet this like, who, who, Baker, Rick, not Rick Baker. That's a makeup artist. Tammy Faye Baker's husband. Yes. Uh, like, this is Christopher Plummer's character. Yes, uh, he's like a televangelist. Joe... <laughs> I what? almost said Joe Don Baker, which is like the B-movie actor. Uh, <laughs> I don't remember Tammy Faye's husband's name. I just watched the trailer for that movie because I want to watch it because she looks it's great. It's Jim. It's Jim. Jim Baker. I think so. Yes. Yeah. Like he's like a Jim Baker, Joel Osteen type, real shithead, religious man. Yeah. And as soon as I saw him on TV, I was like, oh, the church is behind Pagan, isn't it? Yeah, for sure. He's being fawned over. I guess I, <clears throat> I guess it's also that like Christopher Plummer inherently looks evil and feels yes. evil. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's a real It's like Zachary Quinto. Mofo. Like it's hard yeah. to not see Zachary Quinto and be like, "Are you are you going to hurt me?" Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, it's like, "Yeah, I get I get why people are unsettled by you for sure." But I yeah, so I saw that I was like, "Oh, bummer that I called that, but I get it." He's being yeah. fawned over by the commissioner. Yeah, she's she's like the I guess it's like the city council police liaison basically because she's not like uh, is a that what all officer. commissioners are because commissioner because so, Jim uh, Gordon's a commissioner right so like I only know about things from movies and television because I'm a stupid person and there's like a whole th- plot of Brooklyn Nine Nine about people who are in the principal cast wanting to become commissioners so I think it probably just depends on the police department this woman hmm. seems like a civilian oversight person, which is like a good thing. It's good when there are those people in departments, like as a general rule, I'm in favor of them, but it's, they do not explain it very well in this movie. And obviously she is also corrupt. So it's not helpful. Yes. Uh, so they go speak to uh, someone's landlady. I don't remember. I don't remember if it was a disturbance call that happened to be connected or if it was a, a, a piece of evidence no, that linked. they're, they're in, they're investigating Emil Muzz who we later find out is mustache guy. Yes. Okay. And the landlady <clears throat> who, uh, I remember from gremlins two as microwave oh, with yeah. Marge. Uh huh. Uh huh. 
she's been in other stuff that I can't. It's she's she's one of those older actresses that I think got into acting a little bit older, or at least had a had a big career as an old lady. Like she may have been acting as a younger person. I don't have her IMDb in front of me, but like probably a hundred credits on her IMDb easily. Mm-hmm. Yeah, she's great. She's this like sassy swearing landlady who hates everybody. Yeah. Yeah, she she reminds me a lot of um somebody who you see a lot now playing older person. I I think she's like ninety years old, but June Squibb is her name, um, and I think she's she's one of those people that is just like prolific actor as an older person. You know, is in all sorts of stuff. As and, you know, she's like now ninety. Uh, what did June Squibb do? I, I I she may be a bad example of this because I just actually I pulled up uh, Kathleen Freeman is the actress in this, and she was also. Uh, she's also in the Blues Brothers, which I had forgotten about, but now that I say it, uh, her, her Wikipedia has a great line. I'm sorry to just read Wikipedia, but uh, in a career that spanned more than 50 years, she played acerbic maids, secretaries, teachers, busybodies, nurses, and battle axe neighbors and relatives, almost invariably to comic effect, which is like a great thing to have on your tombstone as an actor. Honestly, that is that is the kind of Wikipedia profile I would love to have as an actor. Right. Yeah. Uh, she acted. She started acting in the late 40s and acted until her death in. 2001 i think uh she was um uh she was uh an old woman in shrek apparently uh but june squib was so I, long yeah i mean you're not missing anything I, I brought up june squib um she's 92 but she didn't start acting or at least she didn't have film credits until like 1990 so she started oh, acting really? as an old person an old she was in her 60s i, I respectfully an older person i guess i don't mean to be mean but so she mostly has acted as a as a much older person um and is still acting now she's 1929 so she's 92 yeah um but she got nominated for an academy award and a golden globe for nebraska that uh black and white one with um bruce dern and will arnett will arnett Hmm. no will forte i think is right uh anyway i think i've seen the poster but I haven't seen the movie. I haven't seen the movie, either, but she, she, I just know that she's like been, uh, she's acted mostly as an, she's one of those like people who got into acting as an older person, like, and, and it fills those kind of roles. But she, she was in, uh, she was qu- actually quite, I think the movie is fine. I think people overrated it quite a bit, but, uh, Hubie Halloween, that Adam Sandler one on Netflix. I didn't, I, it's Adam Sandler. So I avoided it. So it's like it is Adam Sandler, but it's more like the Adam Sandler movies you liked when you were twelve. So like if you can get in that headspace, like it's pretty enjoyable. Okay. It's it's a it's like a stupid voice and he gets hit in the face a lot. You know, it's like very. It's not. It's not. Let me carry a, a party platter of shrimp down a hallway, Adam Sandler. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like there's eight percent effort instead of zero. So it's like it's still not working very hard. But June Squibb is always wearing these like giant novelty sex joke T-shirts. Like every time she's on screen, it's a different giant thing. It's just like, uh, I shaved my balls for this. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I think that shirt might literally be one of the ones in the movie. Well, I mean, that one's like, from Birds of Prey. Yeah, so I literally think that is one of the ones. Like that would be a joke that the shirt that you would wear. So it's just like she's ninety years old and she's like, Hubie, what are you doing? And wearing this like, you know, who wants a mustache ride T-shirt? You know. <laughs> Uh, so they have to go through uh, this guy's trash to find evidence, like some clue to where he's going or who uh-huh. he is or where he is. And they find uh, a Polaroid with a phone number written on the back. We get the very, very topical humor of we can't find a phone booth. <laughs> I mean, topical for the time. 
I know that. I, I know it's topical in the eight in nineteen eighty seven, but in twenty twenty one, I was like, <laughs> "Good lord!" Yeah, yeah. Were we also using carrier pigeons <laughs> and churning our own butter? What are we doing? <laughs> Sorry to be that millennial, but you like tiny little baby bastard. <laughs> <clears throat> this does lead uh, eventually, though, to. One of my favorite sequences in the movie, which is the comedy car chase. That's right here, right? Right after the phone. Or uh, did I jump ahead? No, they um, they do this. It does lead into, I don't remember what happens between phone call and this, but I think they yeah. figure out that he is his, he's a Hugh Hefner's driver. Yeah. He like happens to be like right there as well for some reason or another. I don't, I don't know. No, they the ask, movie. they, the, cause they call the number, they find a payphone, they call the number and they say, he's right, Mr. Hefner's right, driver right. and he is sailing at the, in the, port right, or whatever okay. the marina okay. yes 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 i also leads... fully thought we were going to get a blowjob joke here oh uh which in what way so they they approach the limo and he's laying with his head back and oh, not like yeah, yeah, yeah. moving and i was like is this a blowjob are they gonna walk up to it a sh- it, it sure looked like it yeah for sure uh but it isn't it's just uh you know him uh taking a little snooze which is fine you know if you can get yeah. it on your job get it on your job but exactly. he takes off yeah he takes off in the limo and so they're chasing him uh it's a good car chase it is it's like a really good blues brothers esque comedy car chase and is at this point are they in the yugo like they keep their car one of the through lines of the movie is like tanks and Ackroyd's car they don't get the yugo worse. yet the okay. yugo comes so after their the, the pig meeting Okay, okay. So they, yeah, they their first car got stolen. They're in like a backup car. They have this big car chase. There's one particularly great sequence where uh, Emil Muzz, the bad guy, drives th- around some rowboats that like inexplicably get linked to his car. And so he's dragging it's the, not the, long the enough. anchor. Gets, yeah, he hooks the anchor oh, on his like okay. trunk or something. But it's like it is somehow connected to like three boats to start and then they like start falling off and i will say like the one thing i would have liked is just like a little more of this because it's just crazy goofy that he's dragging yeah. three boats but it's it, it's all really good there's also uh the, the sequence that i really enjoyed was just the cars crash through it's just a perfect like backlot movie nonsense thing of just like oh there's a guy selling stuffed animals on the side of the road but it's just like a huge display of them it's not you know it looks uh, like they it, t- it looks like they took a display from like a toys r us and put yes. it on the side of the road yes yes and so they like blow through it and there's like muppet toys going everywhere and all sorts of like stuffed dogs and bears just like it's really their version visual. of the fruit stand yes exactly it's a it's a sillier fruit stand which i guess now that i say that out loud kind of surprised there wasn't a fruit a real fruit stand Honestly, it felt like they were like everyone does a fruit stand. We got to do a not a fruit stand. Is what is That's what fair. led to the far the stuffed animals. So they catch him and put him in the interview interview room. Yeah, yeah. and this is the only one of the weird things for Eckroyd's character because I was like. It feels like he fully understands what's happening. He definitely is looking the other way about pre- police brutality, which is bonkers for the guy he is. Exactly. That's what I was. I was like, maybe I'm misreading this. Like, maybe he doesn't understand. But it yeah. seems like he fully gets that. Hanks is like, why don't you take 20 minutes and uh, get a Snickers bar, and I'm gonna 
I'm going to slam his his balls in a drawer. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's the first one you're like, oh, does he not get it? And then he comes back in and the guy, uh, the bad guy is like sweating bullets, looks like really in pain, tells him all this information. Then he stops and Hanks is like, why don't you get some uh, danishes to go with this coffee? And he pulls the drawer open and, and they like wink at each other. And I'm like, okay, he the, definitely knows. That it's a knowing look. This is some casual police brutality that he is very okay with. Um, so they learn where the meeting is going to be and they get some, you know, weird disguises. I didn't Honestly, realize that Hanks was, su- is Hanks supposed to be Muzz? Is that why he's dressed the way he is? I guess it's, he does look he, like he, he doesn't really, like he's using his ID, but he doesn't super look like him to me. Other than the fact that they both no. have mustaches. It's not like a good, oh, you're this guy. It's like, you're close enough. But the... This is like my eternal memory of this movie. Like the the one thing that stuck in my head was Dan mm-hmm. Aykroyd in a crazy mohawk weird wig, and they both had sheep leggings on. Like I yes. know, like just these huge woolly sheep leggings. So that's like all I remember from the movie. So when this finally happened, I was like, oh, and it makes some sense in context, and it's still a funny visual. Like, oh, yeah, good job, it, it's brain. logical. Yeah. yeah. Um. So they get pulled over, and at first I was like. Oh, the cops are in on the pagan thing, and then I was like, right. "No, they're not the the stolen cop car from earlier. It's they're not cops." Got it. Got it. Got it. Got it. My notes are literally, "Oh, dang, the cops are bad guys." That's an interesting twist. Oh no, wait, this is the stolen car. That's my exact note. Yeah. 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 Uh, so they learn that pagan stands for people against goodness and niceness. Uh huh. Is that right? Something or normalcy. Like that. Goodness and normalcy feels bright. Yeah. And it's being projected on like one of those signs on the side of the road that says like, buckle up. Or if you're driving in Delaware, they're like fun, cute sayings like um, trees should be lit, not drivers. Oh, wow. That's a yeah, Delaware. Delaware by. has like really has like whoever's writing their signs is a gay in social media. <laughs> Uh, so they go into the pagan party and they're like, don't forget your goat leggings. And they just like hand them through the window. And I was like, well, if they if they needed to bring them from home, why is there such a wide availability of them at the event? Like, and if so, why are we I think it was more don't home? forget to put them on like we provide right, them. Right. right. But then a guy comes up with this huge tray of pills and is just like. You want anything? And he does absolutely no describing of what any of these. It's not just like, okay, maybe he doesn't know the name of all of them, but it's not like faster, slower, upper, downer. There's just like no descriptor. It's just like pick a color, any color. Like Uppers, well, downers, and candy like, corn. It seems like the worst possible scenario of like, hey, it's a mystery pill. Hooray. That's another birds of prey thing. There's there's ladies in like cigarette girl outfits at the club yeah, yeah. walking around with trays of pills. And I'm like, what do they do? Yeah, it's like, at least let they... me know that like, this is a Tylenol PM or whatever. <laughs> this is a Sudafed. <laughs> yeah. I like the idea that in our wild fantasy of a party, the tray of pills is Sudafed and Tylenol. We're very cool people who do this podcast about 80s movies. It's not like, oh, I got got Molly and Speed and, and, you know, uh, Dexies or whatever. I'm just like, nah, I I can go over a suit. Do you know what? Do you got a Pepsid? I I was eating those pigs in the blanket and now I got like some heartburn brewing. 
You know what I did? I, I can't believe I'm going to tell you this, a total stranger, pill pill cigarette girl, but I dipped the pig in the blanket in the French onion dip. I know, I know, it sounds gross. It was delicious, but now the heartburn. You wouldn't believe the heartburn. Do you have the, do you have Mucinex DM? Just Mucinex. I, I like <laughs> I, the DM. The DM doesn't give me the nightmares. <laughs> that might be backwards. One of the Mucinex is nightmare I don't remember which really? one. But there, there's a, there's a variant of Mucinex that I always get real fucked up nightmares on. I don't remember which one. Huh. Um, so this guy in a white robe, very reminiscent of young Sherlock Holmes. Callback, callback, callback to the archives. So, uh, future episode, Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom. Oh, yeah. He's like, bring out the virgin in the white dress. And I was like, oh, that's right. The the landlady's wedding dress was stolen. Right, right. And I was like, that's a weird thing. And then I was like, oh, okay, that's a fun, I get it, leaving the breadcrumbs to follow. Sure, sure. And they push this woman into the pit, and it just turns into that scene from Army of Darkness for a minute. It does, except the snake looks way faker than the uh, witch in Army of Darkness. It looks like the one from Jungle Cruise that's in the tree that just goes back and forth. (laughs) Just a very fake-looking plastic snake for those who don't get that reference, but yes, 100% agreed. Although I do, I do really like, like, they both jump in to save her. Hanks has the head, Ackroyd has the tail. And, like, first Hanks seems to be winning, and Ackroyd seems to be losing. Or maybe it's backwards. First, Ackroyd seems to be winning, and Hanks is losing, and then it kind of flips, and Ackroyd is choking. And, like, the part around Ackroyd looks pretty good, but the head is just terrible. It's not a and, good head. <laughs> but I love that the solution is Hanks just takes the handful of pills and puts it down its neck, and then holds He its drugs the shut. snake! Yeah. And somehow those pills aren't mush in his pocket. Right. Well, I also was like, is this going to be a Viagra joke? But then I was like, no, you're like 15 years too early. But if that was now, the snake would have turned. I mean, so the tail does do a boing. Yes. Yeah. And that's why I was like, oh, okay. That's kind of funny. Like the snake's just going to be a straight line. (laughs) Like if the snake turned into a spear, it would be (laughs) And they use it to climb out. Yeah, exactly. Or just they hit somebody with it. But it just like it sprungs and then it falls over. And I was just like, oh, like that that would be funny. Yeah. It would be stupid as hell, but I would like it. Turns out I didn't write down this actress's name, but she did play Stephanie on Baywatch. Okay, and she was in uh, Christine four years before, and it's amazing right. what sh- how much short hair will age you in this time period. Oh, yeah, for sure. Because sure. I was like, she looks like an adult woman, and in Christine, right. she looked like a teenager. Uh, so she sees the priest. He She knocks his mask off in the escape and sees mm-hmm. the priest. They get into their car, their stolen car, they steal it back, and they drive away. Um, There's a pretty good comedy fight on the way out, I think, of, like, there's just, like, it's lots of big, wild punches and some kicks and stuff, but it's pretty good. Yeah. Uh, Do you think it's that easy to drive through a fence like that? So... A thing that is interesting watching older movies with car stuff is cars used to have way less safety features, and I think, like, some of that might be related. Okay. Cars now are designed to crumple and break in ways that protect the passengers. Like, your car is just a series of zones designed to crumple Crumble away. Zones. Yeah, and not hurt you. Like, to, like if you get hit on the front, like, it crunches all that up, and it's designed to break there instead of impacting you. So it's it's possible. I think, like, if you took your average pickup truck or SUV today, you could plow through a fence, no problem. I don't know about, like, a Honda Accord or a Toyota Yaris. You know what a I Ford mean? Ford Fusion. Yeah, yeah. So they drive the the virgin home, and she lives in a Barbie dream house. She really does. It's very strange looking. 
Or like one of those 90s Hallmark house ornaments that our mom has on the tree. Oh, yeah, 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 for sure. For it's sure. just like a weird like cookie cutter perfection thing. Yeah, yeah. Um, so they meet with the, they call the chief in at like four in the morning. And yeah. it's a weird thing that like, it's a movie thing, I'm sh- I, I know. But like, because they're dressed, still dressed as like undercover cops, like right. for their punk outfits, immediately no one takes them seriously. And I'm like, they're still them. It's not like strangers walked in and were like, we got to tell you something, see? Right, right. And also like, it's these like- These are still your cops. I, and one of the things that they choose not to believe them over is they're like, Oh, you've been up all night? And you're like, yeah, doing an investigation that we have logged with the department. It's not like this was like a secret operation. Like, we we checked out clothes from the costume closet, you know? And then when all the pills come out, it's I'm like, this is evidence. Like, right. see what drugs are in them, and then you can maybe narrow down where they come from. Right, and they're like, oh, so you've been doing pills all night? Like, why is that the impression we leap to here? That's a Tylenol PM. <laughs> That's a Sudafed. Um, so they drive back to the place with to meet the commissioner there, and everything is gone. This was a little too much. Like, the pit was filled in with dirt. Yeah. And I was like, where did that dirt come from? Like, right. dirt has to come from somewhere. Like, like I, I want the scene where the cops get away and just someone yells, time to clean it up. Just like give me like obviously they don't want to spoil the like you know the giveaway, but it is a preposterous level of cleanup. Because like I understand like, they just... they took down the state like they took down the stage and right. and the sign like that I get, but like the pit being filled in with dirt, I was like that's too much. Like it should have right we... just it can still be a a pit in the ground without right, a snake right, in it. Right. We just watched Big and we saw what happened when the carnival left town and how much just trash and random shit was all over the place. Exactly. I'm led to believe that the pagans are like picking up every beer bottle and bottle cap. I don't think so. Now, before we leave, everyone look around and pick up three things that aren't yours. Yeah. (laughs) There's a trash can every nine feet. So the commissioner is like, these men, because the commissioner talks like she's a 1940s femme fatale. She does. Even though she's like an older woman and not like trying to be sex like she's not a sexual character but she talks like that right yeah like these two are off the case yeah it's weird yeah no i agree i you did this like little shoulder move with it it made me laugh (laughs) well when you when you do 40s femme fatale i i didn't think it was bad or jessica rabbit it just made me laugh i just it was funny i did you were doing something funny and i laughed at it this is not a dunk This is not bullying. <laughs> I'm not bullying by laughing at your joke. I don't think so. So, so this is where right. I was like, oh, the commissioner's in on the pagans, too. Yeah, yeah, for sure, for sure. She she makes uh, the captain. Oh, by the way, we should have mentioned their captain is from the original Dragnet. Playing oh, the is same, he? Playing the same character who has now been promoted. Okay, that's cool. Yeah. The Dragnet heads out there are going to be like, finally! <laughs> All two of you. <laughs> If there is a person who watched Dragnet in its original run and is listening to this podcast, they are, let's say, an extra 10 years, 80. So if you are 80 and listening to this podcast, 80 plus, please say hi. We'd love to hear it. Dissectingthe80s at gmail.com. Now I'm just picturing RuPaul's Dragnet, and it's just a bunch of drag queens (laughs) solving myths, solving crimes. Just the wigs, ma'am. Just the wigs. Just the wigs. So um, uh, they he drops 
they drop uh, Ackroyd at his place, and then wait, when the car explosion happens after at, they... it's at Cru- at Cruz at Hanks's house. That's right. Okay, sorry. Ackroyd goes to him, and right. as he like goes up into his like knock on his door, he we see this like Alphonse, like m- the Mario Brothers Catering Company or whatever. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. and. I think it literally is Mario and something else. I can't remember. No, it's it's Alphonse and something. Okay, okay. I just almost said Alphonse and Coran, but I was like, that's yeah, no, definitely. That's a, that, that's a director. And we see, it, it, what's his, Muzz's name? Elon. Elon. Emil Muzz. Emil. Uh, as as Ackroyd goes up the steps, we like push into this, like to the catering truck and it's Emil Muzz like twirling his mustache. Like, Oh, he's yeah. In, <laughs> it's like an SNL sketch or like a, like a, it looks like it's the turn and smile, like his opening credits, like his name should pop up underneath, like Absolutely. and Emil Muzz. Yes, yes. yes. Uh, so their car explodes. Great car explosion. It's good. And Hanks is like, let me show you where to get a good cup of coffee. And he goes to a strip club where there's pasties. And I was like, yeah. I feel like the whole allure of the strip club is that <laughs> there's no pasties. <laughs> you know how to put the clothes on, but you don't know how to take them off. I was like, this isn't burlesque. She's just wiggling yeah. around. Yeah, it was weird, but I was wondering if that was, is this PG-13? Like it was maybe it was just the PG-13 thing. Um this if it if it was PG-13, it would have been early PG-13 cuz Gremlins is is PG is the first PG-13, I'm pretty sure. Right. So this would have been 3 years after that. No, Gremlins is eight, Gremlins is 84? Yeah. Why do I think Gremlins was 87? I don't know. So maybe this is PG-13. Yeah. Yeah, Gremlins is eighty four. I have just confirmed this. Um, I I don't it, I don't know why I always have the Wikipedia up on my phone for like answering quick questions like this, and the this information is never on the Wikipedia, and I don't know why. Yeah, why can't we put ratings on the Wikipedia? It's like just put every country's rating. I don't I don't need this to be America centric. I just you know want to know. Or even if you do all the English speaking countries, but right. that's fine. Plus it's, plus, it's hard to Google because you Google rating it. It is it was PG thirteen, so that is the answer. We have found it. But there's also a different Just the Facts song playing in either in the strip club or right after. I can't remember what the sequence is, but there's a different Just the Facts like theme song plays here. I think it's the um, I think it's after. OK, uh, so they figure out that his uh, that there's a secret milk factory that is. Oh, we didn't mention that there were two chemicals stolen that like when combined create like. A, a corrosive breathable gas it's very similar honestly to the joker plot in the original batman kind of joker gas yeah it's very very similar to that except this one kills you instead right. of makes you laugh or whatever right right i thought you laughed to death with the joker gas maybe but i would rather that than let me breathe <laughs> and my lungs dissolve oh uh, uh, fair fair so this is that scene you were talking about before. Ackroyd is waiting on the street for Tom Hanks, and these three like tough guys show up and kind of start harassing him. And they ask, him "Well, they say that he says that Hanks was look, uh, bringing his was his talking to his contact or whatever." Yeah. And then these punks showed up, and I was like, "Oh, are these? Is he gonna like beat him up?" And Hanks is gonna come out and be like, "These are my buddies." I totally thought that's what it was because the strip club. The reason they went to the strip club is so Hanks could talk to an informant. Yes. Yeah. Also, it's like, this is one of the few, like, eye-rolly bits, like, watching this in modern times. It's like, oh, 
the the Asian guy has nunchucks. Of course he does. And it was just like, yeah. all right, come on, movie, be better than that stupid shit. But it's mostly this. Mo- like shockingly, this movie drops no f bombs, which I was sure were going to be involved in there somewhere. Yeah, you you'd think one one or two would. It's flown. like the police station, and they're dressed like they're dressed with the leggings. I was like, oh boy, here it comes. Like, nope. Oh wow. Okay. Wow. Good job, movie. So yeah, you did the bare minimum. <laughs> now, yes, then not. <laughs> yes, way above the bare minimum. Not as terrible as you could have been. So they get this like, I feel like I've seen this before in like riot scenes. Right. It's like a small tank with a big um, like pole sticking out of it with a flat thing on um, it. It's it's designed to bust doors open. I think they might even use this in Die Hard. This might be part of the way they're Ye- trying to breach Nakatomi Plaza. I think you're right. That's probably where I know it from. You would think the flat part would be wider. Yeah. It's it seems small. Yeah. Like it seems like a calendar size. I think it's designed to like be aimed directly at where the lock mechanism is and apply like a ton of force in a small area to just break the lock out on a door, but I again, I'm that just speculating. Sense. So but they, I agree uh, with you. It they, seems like you'd want this thing to be like six by six, just like boom, yeah. put a big hole in the wall. Yeah. Uh, so they smash into this milk factory. It's a milk bottling plant, I guess. But they smash up all of these like industrial, like floor to ceiling tubs of milk. And I was just like, I yes. would vomit. I would vomit <laughs> so fast. That room is going to smell terrible. You're never cleaning this room. Like it's you have to torch it. The only I mean, luckily here. it's all like concrete and steel. That's a plus. Even so even so, you're never. I feel like you're never like there. There is not enough bleach in the world to solve this problem. Yeah, I mean that we are also not milk people. Well, I enjoy a glass of milk when it's appropriate. I'll have. I love milk with cookies or dessert. I will drink milk. My, <laughs> I am constantly getting dunked on for like we're having a cookie and I pour like a half or more of a pint glass of milk. I like milk. I do not like milk with savory foods. See, I don't generally care for milk. Like, if, like chocolate cake, well, I'm like, have, no. You have lactose issues. I'm lactose sensitive, but I can like, yeah. I'm fine well, to like have. You're not going to sit down to a glass of moo juice. Uh, no, but like, but like even with, even it, with taking an, a lactate or just like, like dairy free alternatives or whatever. I'm just, it's very rarely like, like I'll do it with like Oreos mm. and cereal. And that's kind of it. Yeah. Warm chocolate chip cookie. I want my glass of milk. Yeah. Yeah. And it turns out the milk was just milk and they yep. get like th- thrown out. And then turns out the milk f- was a cover, but yes. they had the real thing in there. Yes. And the drugs it was had a, just been pl- processed. Through. It was a real nesting doll situation. <laughs> yeah. It's also like, all right, I'm not like, it's a dragnet. This is not the movie to have this conversation about, but. Isn't that going to be like really expensive to just like, like, shouldn't you have to flush these lines really thoroughly first? Like, isn't all this milk just trash? And is it like milk's not expensive necessarily, but it's not cheap. Like who's paying for all this milk? Like this is just maybe they just dyed water. This is could have been, but no, because Ackroyd licks his lips and is like, it's milk. You're right. You're right. And he doesn't get any taste of chemical in there so it's like did they just like flush the lines with gallons like somebody is <laughs> all i'm saying is i think we need to re-examine the bookkeeping of this criminal enterprise because they're <laughs> spending a lot of unnecessary money in order to make the drugs flow There's a lot of overhead we're not considering yeah. yeah uh so they're driving 
away from that. And Tom Hanks is like, I'm watching my TV watch. I want the scene, sorry, I want the scene where Christopher Plummer is like screaming at some little nebbish nerd with tiny round glasses. His comptroller. Yeah, what do you mean we don't have any money? Well, sir, you spent, um... $17,400 $17,485 on milk to get this plan past the uh, detectives. Um, so we lost most of the profits on this operation. <laughs> and then, then, Was like, it last week we talked about a comptroller? Yes. Or two, might have been two episodes ago, but we were recently talking about comptrollers. But yes, he needs a better comptroller. Somebody to be like, look, it's cheaper to flush this thing with water or some other solvent. So, yeah, Tom Hanks has a TV watch. And I was like, yes, is that yes. a, was that a thing? I don't remember a watch, but I do remember handheld TVs being like the shit, like the cool prize you could yeah. win with the wrapping paper sales in elementary school. Yeah, because I, well, I remember they were sort of the size of like uh, a football, like the handheld football games. Yeah. And then the screen was about where the football stadium was. So it was it was probably, I don't know. Two by three, two, one yeah, by two. two by three. Yes, it's probably like two by two or two by three. Uh, I don't I remember, remember those, but I don't I'm remember sh- the watch. I'm sure this existed in some way, shape, or form, but I do not know what it is. Do they still do the rap? Is there is that like a a current touchstone for? I have children? no idea. It also is one of those things that you don't think about until you're an adult, but you're like, man, as a like just a sad indicator of our education system that it's like, ah, we got to get the kids to do fundraising so our school is solvent. <laughs> Guess they better get out there and sell wrapping paper. Yeah. Although I do remember because I I worked in the TV studio in middle school, I got to do the like million dollar sticky thing. Oh, okay. Like you got in the the tornado tunnel. Yeah. And it it was like fake money and however much you grabbed, you got to like keep. Oh, but I I, I think it was more like like actually go in with money. No, no, no. I think it was more like me demonstrating one of the prizes. Oh, you got to do it with paper. Still yeah, fun, so, no, that's it wasn't real i think even when if a student won it wasn't real money in there it was like they would come out and count it and then you would get that like rather oh. than like you it being seems, swirling seems, around if, with money it seems much more fun if it was real money yeah probably also i feel like my plan for that would always be duct tape the neck hole of my shirt shut and hold it open yes that would yeah <laughs> trap all, duct tape my shirt shut and hold the bottom open anyway so on his tv Palmer, watch it's is really good at preacher cadence, I will say. Very, very good. Yeah, he nails it. I, I think that's because I'll controversial yet brave. It's two sides of the same coin for zealous preacher and creepy villain. Sure, yeah. There's the, a lot the, of the same the, boxes the, that get the, checked. The character he is playing here is for sure a villain. Like it's not there is Yes, but I mean it. like the, the but the cadence of like preacher is similar to right. the cadence of villain. Absolutely. So they go on a double date here where Aykroyd is picking up his mom, well, his, his grandmother, excuse me. Hanks uh, sneaks in because yes. Aykroyd's like, I have plans tonight. So Hanks f- follows him on his motorcycle and does this whole like Nightmare on Elm Street monologue. Uh huh. And then we see that it's Aykroyd's grandmother. Yes. The 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 part with him doing the Freddy stuff, I thought was really excellent. And I was like, man, again, goofball Hanks, come back. Come back. We yeah. want you. But I love Hanks immediately. Like, it's not lecherous. Like, th- so there is a punchline here that I was totally expecting that I did not get. But, like, they go on this double date, and it, th- we're going to have to rewind to talk about some plot stuff. But, like, at the end of the date, 
Aykroyd goes home with his date and Hanks takes grandma on the motorcycle. And then we like cut to the next morning and Hanks is in bed. And I was like, oh, he had sex with the grandmother. I didn't. fully thought that was going to be the the punchline. Yeah. Yeah. Which I thought it would like I genuinely would have found music like it would have been fine yeah. with me if she was like, I go get it, granny. <laughs> You're fine. Yeah. Although I think it's more like this YouTuber I like Mamrie talked about in her book that she's like, I like, you know, fun flirting with old men at a bar, not in a way of like leading people, leading them on or like, yeah, we're going to fuck. But just like, yeah. I'm giving you, a, I'm reminding you of some fiery redhead from your youth or like <laughs> in the fun, in that kind of like fun, playful, remember right. when sen- sense. Right, right. But they go to the Brown Derby, which only exists in Disney World now. <laughs> That's true. That's true. It is. It is no longer a real place. Uh, but they they there's like some f- fun stuff here where she uh, Connie the the they call her the Virgin throughout most of the movie which is kind of a bummer but uh, Stephanie from yeah. Baywatch uh, they uh, she IDs Christopher Plummer as the bad guy and Ackroyd is like well I, I'm gonna arrest him like there's no ifs ands or buts about it and Hanks is like really trying to talk him out of doing this very stupid thing he wants to do which of course but does also not like work. isn't there still due process to arresting people so. My assumption is like he arrests like I my assumption is yes that like that is the biggest problem of this is you know you don't have enough evidence and there's like a whole bunch of stuff you should do here. But the other yeah. thing is like hey that's an incredibly powerful person so if you're going to play this particular card you need to like really be sure that this card is going to be good when it's played. Mhm. You need to have your Charizard in the back pocket. Yes, exactly. Exactly. Uh, Hanks also calls ahead to the restaurant and orders a bottle of chilled Dom Perignon for the table. Very solid. Very solid move, especially when he knows he's not picking up the check and it's for uh-huh. Grandma's birthday. So you, you know that you're getting it. Very smart move. Uh, Alexandra Paul is the actress's name that we keep not saying. Uh, she was the one who was in Christine and uh, Dragnet, mm. obviously, and uh, Baywatch. Hanks also gives a cute toast to Grandma that I thought I've never I had not heard. It's very it seems like one of those classic. Yeah. Yeah, I thought it was really just, nice. Like, have them on the back burner, and it's also like like very playful flirting, like you were alluding to. Is like I don't think anybody like believe like I don't think Grandma thinks he's actually hitting on him, but it's like oh, it's just you know, it's like a nice little flirt. Um, mm-hmm. But the uh, the big ending here is Ackroyd tries to arrest Christopher Plummer, and he arrests him in the bathroom. Yes, and I thought. So he like come he he the priest the reverend goes into the stall, and Ackroyd's like talking at him through the stall door. And then when he's done, everyone applauds him and he puts the hand, one handcuff on the priest and one of the reverend and one on himself. And I was like, he doesn't, he walks him out of the bathroom. I was like, no, he should have walked him over to the sink and made him wash his hands first. Yes. Also would have been much funnier. And like, or even if like Agnard like washed his hands. Yes. Yeah. Or like they're just, you know, side by side. Yeah. Washing hands. Yeah. yeah. Would have liked that a lot. I agree. But they go to the table and the commissioner and the the captain i'm not sure what the rank chief? is of their boss i don't know that he's the chief of police but he is certainly their boss uh and so he they like strip Ackroyd of his badge and gun they uncuff christopher Plummer. i and- thought we were gonna get Chekhov's bullets because we have a very like oh. close-up zoom he's like give me your gun and Ackroyd like flips it it's one of the like old Revolver. style revolvers so he like flicks it open and empties the bullets into his hand and then hands the gun to the chief and i was like oh those are gonna come back later yeah they do not. No. <laughs> not in any significant way anyway. So uh, Granny and because they don't they guess they never ate. So Granny and right. Tom Hanks go for chili dogs on his motorcycle. And 
Akron, I guess, is like, fuck my grandma's birthday. I want to <laughs> go on a romantic date. To be fair, he did kind of ruin it. So when Granny's like, I'm having a chili dog with this young stud. He's like, well, I mean, fair fair play to you, Granny. I screwed this yeah. up. No, I mean, I'm not. I just think it's interesting that he wasn't like, we should also go with them. But yeah. Instead, they have a cute little like moment in the car at the Hollywood sign under the stars. And then Emil Muzz shows up and lifts their car like he's Jessica goddamn Jones <laughs> yeah, and just flips crazy. it. Yeah, that was super bonkers. This is when they're in the Yugo, though, right? Yes, they're in the yeah. Yugo. And point. I think the Yugo is like a very tiny vehicle. I, you know, it's like I, a smart I, car. I know the Yugo is a punchline to things, but I, I don't know if it is like, you know, light enough for a man to lift. I mean, if it's anything like a smart car, I bet I, I bet a, I bet two people could lift us could flip a smart car. Yeah, the internet tells me that it weighed less than 2,000 pounds, so I feel like... Is 1,000 pounds a ton? I thought... Is 2,000 pounds two tons? I thought 2,000 pounds was a ton. Maybe that's a metric ton. A ton is 2,000 pounds, so it's it's a one-ton car. But, like, so obviously he couldn't lift it on his own, but it's like, uh, four people might be able to. Six people might be able to. Like, lift it at all. I'm not saying, like, put it over their heads. Just lift it. Uh, So he flips their car, and then we see Hanks in bed with uh, a woman from the... From the precinct? Yeah. I, guess she, is... I think it's the same woman a couple of times. At, at least. Yeah. If it's not, they cast two women who look very, very similar. They're both blonde. Or uh, three but, women. This is the, yeah, th- this is the second of three you're times. You're right. You're right. But also, condoms. Holy shit. Condoms yeah. in a movie. Wow. And a burger phone. <laughs> and a burger phone. Yes. <laughs> I love a burger phone. Who doesn't? Uh, so the, he gets a call on the burger phone that's like. Yeah. We don't know where Dan Aykroyd is. We don't know where the Virgin is. So he goes to to work. And this is a weird thing that happens uh, where the, he's like, chief, he's missing. And he's like, check the loony bin, blah, blah, blah. And I was like, so does he hate him? Yeah. Because seems... earlier he like seems to t- treat him with reverence. And now right. he hates him. And then later, like in 10, 15 minutes, spoiler, he's like, I didn't have the heart to turn your gun and badge in. So here right. you go, Dan Aykroyd. And I was like. That's not the vibe I got. Right. A total it's very, very strange in this in this section, for sure. Um, and Hanks is kind of becoming Dan Aykroyd. Like some guy Yes. Does some guy like walks past him eating a donut. Thigh. That's what it is. And it's like And he reads in the riot act lunch, about like yeah. you, you know, you get a haircut and shave your face and clean the mustard off your shirt. But next time you have lunch, you make sure it gets in your mouth and not on your uniform. Yes. And this is where we learn that Dabney Coleman and uh, Christopher Plummer are in cahoots. Sort of. Yes. Well, they Plummer is the ringleader. Yeah. And he's planning on using Dabney Coleman and then killing him. Yeah. And then leaving with the commissioner. Right. Right. Which, you know, is a, it's a supervillain plan, but that's fine. Like, he's kind of a supervillain. Yeah. Here. It's just like, he's like, I will control... All the good and, and the evil people. And I was yes. like, yeah, that just also seems like a lot of work. Yeah, agreed. All of these like, villain plans, I'm like, don't you like just want to veg? But like for him, that means he has to literally have a double life and like right. during the day be the reverend and then at night be like hell priest. And I'm like, yeah. that's a 20 hour day. Exactly. It seems really exhausting to me. I do not have the stamina for supervillainy. I've I've Outsource. learned this about myself. Yeah, exactly. Outsource. Hire good people, and then you don't have to worry about things. Uh, so Hanks finds Emil Muzz at uh, Muscle Beach. Right, right. Because of the photo. 
the the photo previously we saw with the um with the phone number on the, the back. phone number on the back and the two the two like bodybuilder ladies on the front this was about where i said this movie definitely could have been a tight 90 it's like an hour 50 hour 45 it's like 145 but i do think it's got it's probably closer to 100 minutes because it's got a pretty lengthy credit sequence and a pretty lengthy opening credits so it's like actual yeah. movie runtime if you you know skip around is probably about 100 minutes but it's it does feel a little long. I totally like it. It could be ten minutes shorter, no problem. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a lot of lobster at this at this sex at this uh, sexy magazine party. <laughs> yeah, for sure, a lot of lobster eating, and like it looks like a lobster fest. Yeah, or or a fucking red lobster commercial. Right, and like lobster is a fancy food, but is very difficult to eat. So I've never quite understood how it gets this reputation. Like it's one thing if you're eating like a lobster that has been like. Like it's a tail that's been like cut in half and the meat's pulled out and they cook it and do stuff to it and put it back in. And you just eat it with a fork. But when they're just like serving you a lobster, it's like, this is like a job. This is like eating ribs. No, it's I want to th- see Batman's parents in the gown, in the opera length gloves, cracking yeah. into those big claws. That's yeah. what I want to see. I want to see the rich people working for it. Right. It's like, is there just like a secret rich people menu where the lobster comes in all the, it's all cracked and you're just like pulling it out with a fork, but it's like in the shell, but not in the so, shell. That is a thing restaurants do. I've seen that before, like for like appetizers, especially with like, um, like a crab leg or something like that. Like I, I went to uh, legal yeah. seafood once and the table next to us ordered this like huge platter of crab. And it was like, Oh, it's like all cracked already. Wow. And wow. You got two platters marked market price, eh? Wow. Wow. Somebody's doing all right. Yeah. And so uh, the they, yeah, Ackroyd and Hanks get to the party and Ackroyd's thinking like a loose cannon cop. He's not thinking like himself. Um, and then we see all of the, um, mm-hmm. all the, the dirty magazines being like poured into the driveway to set up, be set on fire. And I was like, right. Yeah. Seems like maybe we don't want to draw a lot of attention to ourselves, but okay. Yeah, it's like they want, they like. I'm not the super villain. They're very Batman villainy and they want credit for their crimes, which is not typically how these things work. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. You're talking about was, exactly. Was yeah. It's Paul very, and Joe from Suggins Gang. And they shoot like, their name into the wall and leave. Make sure you tell them that the James Gang robbed this bank. And I'm like, I mean, doesn't it make it more likely you're going to get caught if you're just like telling everybody who did it? All right. Exactly. Yeah, the wet bandits. Um, so they have like this. This becomes like the big fight, right? Like we got the, or, or I guess it's before the big fight. We we like we see what's being set up. So like, there's like a what would be like an air conditioning truck, but it's obviously there to pump poison gas in. Is like running uh, airlines. Yes, like <laughs> so it's gonna murder a lot of people. Like that's the thing. Is that like up till now the crime, the pagan crimes right. have been like. You know, talked about, right. but not, not major. Nothing, but like, like, this is murdering several decades, two hundred people, play, playmates, which are like people that people know about. This is going to be a really big crime. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yes. And violent. Like people, people are going like to walk in, and it's going to be like their own dissolved faces, throats, like really bad and stomach situations. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah, it's going to look like fucking scarecrow's fear toxin. So Ackroyd calls in the police to show up. Yeah. No, no. Hanks calls in the police because yes. Hanks has to be like. Ackroyd, well, you're not like, a cop. It's supposed to be the I will handle this, which I thought was weird. It's like they switch places. Yeah. Yeah, but it's right. It was he was like, you anything. should go home. And I'm like, he can right, stay. Right. Like, like he can be here watching you. So Hanks calls us back up, but they show up, and then there's a big shootout. Yeah, they do they do lean. For that a second, way, I thought the chief was gonna be like, in oh, on JK, it. JK, 
you know, I, you know, I'm a good cop and here, Dan Aykroyd, take your badge back. You know, you, you're going to need this. So he, he hops behind the wheel of the car. They realize at this yeah. point that Connie, the, the virgin character Dan Aykroyd is in love with has been abducted. And part of the reason he's become so loose cannony is because he's in love with this woman. And he's like, Oh, I've never felt this way before. I get why people act crazy. And so he's like him driving to chase her to yeah. the airport is quite good. Of like, he's driving like a maniac and he's like zipping around. Yeah. Yeah. Cars are like, you know, squealing out of driving the through but a tunnel really on the wrong side. The, um, the bit in the airplane. So it's Christopher Plummer, the police commissioner and Connie who's tied up in the front seat. And the commissioner like gets off the plane, sees Plummer and is like, Oh good. You're here. He's like, yeah, is she tied up on board. Yeah. 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 Okay. Well, uh, I got to check something on board. Can you, uh, yes. Well, no, she says she's, she says the police are onto us. They, they, they raided the mansion. Yeah. They, they foiled the plan. We're, yeah, we're gone yeah. for. Like, oh, you're and he right. says, "Why don't you go look for the yeah, police? Yeah. I'll like, go untie the girl." Of course, this is not and how this is going to go. No, uh, he takes off, and she's like running alongside the plane for a couple minutes. And I was like, "Is this lady going to get Indiana Jones propellered? Because it seems like this lady's going to get Indiana Jones propellered." But no, it's the wrong tone for this movie. No, I did like not the, think that. Yeah, he's a very rich. Uh, man. I also like that. The Reverend is flying his yeah, own plane. Yeah, you would think a lackey. Would I was be like, there's not like a, a, lackey a lackey in lackey there might flying not the plane. Kidnap a woman. So, I mean, if you're if you're a, a Reverend, true. I'm also, sure did you, you can clock, convince um, people to do things. At one point, Dan Aykroyd in his wild driving goes past a gas station. Did you did you clock how much a gallon of unleaded regular was in Los Angeles in 1986 or seven? Seventy one cents. Dollar twenty five. It's. I always remember uh, that it's. I like was gonna say it was less than a dollar, but Die Hard, which is eighty nine, so a big jump in that two year period. Also, this part is particularly silly. Mm-hmm. So, Plummer and Stephanie, or Connie, not Stephanie, take off in the plane, and they're flying from Los Angeles to Mexico, which I think by car the border from Los Angeles to Mexico is like two and a half hours, maybe. I don't know. I like I I'm not a I'm not a great geographer. Ge- it's close. Geographer, so that tells you how good I am at geography. Uh, but I think Los Angeles to Mexico is like pretty <laughs> close. Uh, so I was baffled that a plane flying several hundred miles an hour wasn't just essentially inside Mexico within you know twenty to thirty minutes, right? Or at least an hour, right? Like one hour. Because it's the next morning, right. like the sun is like, rising, and second. they catch him the in an LAPD jet. This is one of those jet. things where it's like, uh, you know, day to night shifts. Okay, so it's three hours to Tijuana from California, from Los Angeles by car. So it can't be more than an hour flight, hour ten. But anyway, that's fine. It's a silly movie. That's fine. Yeah, there's I just no was way. Like this is make it not Mexico. Make it somewhere farther away. Make him going like to Chile or something. Yeah. So they right. catch well, the reverend. Maybe she confessed. They don't tell really us what happened to the leniency. commissioner. But like, I'm surprised. Like this, this should have had oh, the like Animal they, House they style and stuff like that. Freeze frames. Yeah, I could see that working really well here. Yeah, but uh, the only thing we learn yes. is that the reverend There's goes like to jail big, and like, the virgin is uh, not a virgin Aykroyd anymore. And, Hanks and then roll credits work together. Yeah, exactly. And there's just kind of like he almost does a ooga face, but it's not quite that. But you're just like, oh, I mean, all right. <laughs> She is a person. Yes. I also thought the movie was going to end with him saying just the facts. Oh, that's a way better. Because he's like, you didn't call her the virgin anymore. That's a way better. I was like, congratulations. You made the movie five percent better with that one punch up. Yeah. Better. Better ending for sure. He shrugs first. 
He's like, he shrugs, he shrugs, just the facts, and then like turns and walks in and hangs those there like you a go. big, like, there, yep. what? Like big face, you know, right there is perfect. Yeah. I like this movie. Like I, I was, I, I, mm-hmm. I had a fondness for this movie as just something that I watched all the time. It's but very I, cute. I think this movie is very well done. It's, it's, I honestly think this might be the best Dan Aykroyd performance in anything. Like, you know, there's some pretty heavy hitters, Blues Brothers, Ghostbusters. This is like, to me, I don't know about that, but I like the the best parts of Great Outdoors. outdoors I really like him. He's really good version of this lunatic character, I think. Like the the gate the, the cadence of him talking where he goes like it starts rattling off stuff in you think? Great Outdoors. I was really reminded of in this where he starts like you know rattling off facts in a very quick succession. I, the fast talky thing I thought was similar, but I, I like I like Dan Aykroyd. I, I like I'm a fan. I I like a lot of stuff, but I, I like as far as setting out to achieve something I do too. and executing it this might be his best performance in my eyes of like this is a kind of a weird thing he's trying to do and i think he crushes it and it's like a much harder thing he's trying to do here than he normally tries to do so uh you know i might feel differently tomorrow if you ask me but i i really like this performance i think it's really really strong and the movie's fun like it's it's silly and and it 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 feels like a revamp of something like it feels like a man out of time in the fun way. I don't know. I just, I was really charmed by this. Like I said, I hardly wrote any notes cause I was just enjoying the movie. And it's like, Oh shoot, I'm doing this for the podcast. Yeah. I definitely really like it. I think it's a little long and I, with the few punch ups mm-hmm. I threw in the beginning of like really showing that he's a man from a different time, I think would have helped yeah, uh, solidify things it is earlier. Not, but uh, I, I like this movie a lot. It's definitely not, recommend. Uh, free, you know, or with subscription streaming anywhere. I meant to mention this with the Joe versus the volcano, but it, uh, interesting. Another Hanks movie of the era that uh, Ebert was just like a, a total big stand for, which is fun. Like he, I, eight, late eighties, Raj and I would have gotten early nineties. Raj and I would have gotten along <laughs> gangbusters in watching movies together. Um, he suggested that this movie might have been better in black and white, which is probably true, but I would probably like it a little bit less because the original. Yeah. Yeah. And, and like colorized or if it started in black and yeah, white, that, that could have been. And really then when clever, he gets to the precinct, no it's color. Uh, I think that would have been that when it aired on TV, audiences would change the channel. <laughs> but yeah, this is a strong recommend. I think this oh, is really 100%. good and really great. Like, I was hoping that we would end really strong with this like tea Thanksgiving super month that like I, I knew the big was going to be a fun episode. I hope that you would like Joe versus the volcano. And I hadn't watched this in forever, but I was like, I really feel like I remember this fondly. Yeah. So I was like, I was hoping that I would like it as much so that it didn't make this it's kind a good of a ending. downer. But yeah, it's, it's a really fun movie. Like go check this out. Go find it somewhere. It really, really holds up very well. And it's, like I said, if you, f- you can fast forward the opening credits, which are about three minutes long and you could turn it off right at the end and miss the nadir of rap as a genre, which is Tom Hanks and Dan Aykroyd rapping, which is like just the thing the world never needed. Yeah. Uh, and get yourself down to like a hundred minute movie, which is pretty solid these days. That's like uh, barely qualifies as a movie. So that's the other thing. The new yeah. Ghostbusters is like two Oh five. And it's like the original movie is an hour 40 something. How are you longer than that? Anyway? Yeah, it's, it's crazy. It's totally bonkers to me. Movies like, have to be long slow, now, like, and it's delete awful. Delete some stuff. Jesus. This, we delete stuff in this podcast. Uh, anyway, uh, go watch Dragnet, and thank you so much for listening to the show. Don't forget to check us out on uh, Twitter, at Dissect the 80s, and Facebook, uh, where it's Dissecting the 80s. You can find us there. 
Uh, like I said at the top of the show, check out patreon.com slash dissecting the 80s. We've got a bunch of fun stuff coming up there. Um, but like I said, the December uh, Patreon is footloose, which will be very exciting. Uh, we're doing some schedule switcheroo, so unfortunately I don't have the next episode for you right at this moment. Uh, so check out the social medias, and I will post what it is as soon as we have that uh, squared away. We uh, had one thing in mind and then have had trouble tracking it down, and so we're, we're switching it up. So uh, check the social medias. I'll probably post it by the time this episode posts. It just won't be in the episode. Uh, thank you so much for listening to the show. I have been Trip Lano. Until next time. I will always be Andrew Leno. Don't you forget about me. Dissecting the 80s is a chum sum of this production. Ow.